Hello and welcome to Infamous, the audio podcast. This is Brandon or Mutilus on Discord or Diablo. <laughs> this is Parker, go by One Who Parks on Discord only. This is Jeremy or just Jeremy or I can be also found in Diablo under many things, mostly Diablo related. Hashtag under username dash 3758. Hashtag Battle.net forward Battle. slash Hotnet. Hotmail some sort of shit. I don't fucking know, dude. It's a clusterfuck. Help me! <laughs> and this is Aaron. I go by Treffenwood. In Diablo. In life. <clears throat> Alrighty. Well, welcome everybody. We've got another fun installment. Unfortunately, we had to start late today because Aaron had to finish the game. Uh, but anyway, moving on. Uh, Parker, you're back down to single digits. Oh, 1909 shit. episodes. Yeah. Oh, I was like, in the tens column? Yeah, that's what it is. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's not in the hundreds or thousands column. I mean, it's always good to have a zero in there somewhere. It makes right. it feel lighter. There is, yeah. I like it a lot. Mm-hmm. I, I'm actually very excited. I feel like this is going to break hard one way or the other soon. Mm-hmm. I feel the surge coming. Yeah. Either it'll be relief or something else mm. terrible. Yeah. Anxiety, I guess. This right. 8,000 to 1 bet for Ghost Rider being only in Guardians is going to be great. Yeah. Can't lose. Can't lose. And it wasn't only right. in Guardians. No, uh, it wasn't only yes. in Guardians. Do not change the bet. I was wondering bet. how long it was going to take. Do not change him. the bet. <laughs> That was going to be brutal. Oh, that would be terrible. Do not change the bet. <laughs> immediately jumped it to like 12,000. <laughs> yeah, God. Do not change the bet. I'm, we're about to talk about some reason why we have... Oh, never mind. I'll, 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 mm-hmm. I'm, pre, I'm preloading. All right. Well, you see, we still have this Parker punishment here from like three episodes ago where you didn't show up. So like, I feel like we should just make change that bet to just only instead of is. No, nope. you. I thought you used that punishment to turn this mm-hmm. to a factor of four, didn't you? No, that was the last punishment. You've missed two episodes since we made this bet. Oh, I don't remember that. <laughs> anyway, Continue. we're moving on. Uh, what's next, Parker? News. So in our news today, we have Cosmic Ghost Riders uh, tactics cards. The first one is Jeremy's favorite. I'm really excited to hear what Jeremy has to say about it because it's got Jeremy written all over it. It's called Galaxy's Greatest. It's a, a Guardians of the Galaxies card, up to four injured allied Guardians of the Galaxy card characters can spend two each to play it. So specifically four injured Guardians spend two. Characters that spend power in this way get a big dumb hero token. Characters with a big dumb hero token add one die to their attack and defense rolls. Go. First hot take to you, Jeremy. Go. Do you think... <laughs> the folks that make this game have ever played this game. <laughs> I have no words. That's all. I, like I, I can't. I, I just can't. So I honestly, don't know if you're upset that it's bad or upset that it's good. I don't know. Well, I mean, you haven't if, said. Okay, have you ever been shot by I don't know plus five dice? <laughs> that seems good. Any model. Just, here you go. Plus five dice. Do it. It's not plus... What are you talking about? 
if you've played the game, Guardians come with an 8-point model attached. That 8-point model, anytime a model gets flipped... Okay, I see what you're saying, then. So, the current version I... of the game only plays this way. It's been that way for fucking two or three years. Alright, so I've only played three games with Guardians, and as an expert, I can tell you <laughs> I don't care about this card. <laughs> Listen, now I'm only be a wrong. level. I'm only a, a humble expert. You're a level seventeen. <laughs> yeah, you know. don't know shit. <clears throat> I feel like Donnie from Big Lebowski right now. However, like I actually just don't care. Like I'm thinking, like would this make my ten? I just immediately go no. Like I, I could be wrong. I, am I crazy, Aaron? Is this card amazing? Uh, this card is somewhere between good and amazing. I don't know. I, okay, so really, I think this card is terrible. Oh my god. That was my initial impression. You two need uh, to play some fucking games. Get out from behind the microphone and play some games. I've played a lot of I've oh, played a my. lot of I've played a lot of Guardians of the Galaxy. The number of times I can count that I had four injured Guardians characters. No, no, it's you only need four. one. <laughs> well, it, I don't know that it's worth two. One. I honestly don't. Right, that's the thing is uh, okay, so sure. You can do all up days to four. at the same time. Yeah. Like, so you're probably going to get one. And so let's say who do you play it on? Uh, you Ghost play Rider. it on. You can't root. Like, I guess, sorry, sosmic. sorry. You play it on Rocket for a Deadly Duo. Okay, so we're saving Deadly Duo. You've got Rocket and Groot, which means you're minimum playing four characters. So you're probably not going to have priority. You might, but you're probably not going to. You're going to play this, and Rocket's Gr- Gr- already been dazed, and you're just assuming he's going to get to activate. There are lots of assumptions here. This is why the card is between yeah. good and amazing. Like you can, yeah. you can, right. you can picture think, all of the amazing things you can do with it, right? I uh, think good and amazing is a big stretch. I think subpar and amazing is somewhere around ooh. accurate. Like, let's say the floor is uh, an Agent Venom beam. That's a pretty solid floor. Uh, I don't think that's the floor. I think the mm. floor is you literally don't get to use it. Uh, if that means that none of your models are ever dazed, I think you're okay with that. That's, that's not what I was saying. <laughs> okay. I'm saying you you play it, then that character dies, and you wasted a tactic slot for nothing. So if your characters are dazed, there's a a better than average is the wrong word, but uh, there's a chance that you're getting priority yes. back. But it also could have just been that you got dazed after. Also, like if we're talking about you're playing Rocket, well, two of your tactic slots are already gone realistically three or four of them are already gone because this is not going to be better than the other cards available. And it's only ever going to make a list when Thanos is in your list. Because if you're fighting with uh, We Are Groot, Deadly Duo, and two restricted cards, you cannot tell me this is the next best card in the game. Follow Me would be better than this, even if we're just counting a bad restricted cards. Well, not bad, but less used. Yeah, it's one die. Like it's good. Yes, it's good. But like, if one die is going to swing a game that hard, you, you, I, you, I'm crazy. Like that's just not going to happen. I feel like there, there is a planet where Agent Venom plays his tactics card with Rocket and Star Lord on the field, and you get a big meme turn. Um, mm-hmm. But even then, like, like the like, memeiest turn ever. Right, right. Like there's, there's a world where that exists. Uh, um, but kind of like what you said, Brandon, it is, as a tactics card, it's one die on a character on their backside in Guardians. I go, it could be cool on 
presumably Cosmic Ghost Rider. We have a really good, you know, feel this is a card in his box, so likely he's a guardian. So Cosmic Ghost Rider makes sense because his dice could be better because they're you can use skulls as well. Um, Vita Ray Bill might be good with an extra die on his backside because he'll live, you know, presumably for a little while. Maybe Drax on his backside, presumably he'll live for a little while. So there there are ways that this could work, but like on turn three plus but i think if i if you use this on turn four or five on rocket i don't see this mattering like i don't yeah like if you're saving deadly duo on rocket for like turn three when he gets dazed it's like that's a win for me like if you're just not using it on turn two that's so much better for me and if you end up using it it's like i just yeah there is a potential of a turn just going nuts but like what are the odds that one die really made any difference at all yeah that's like is it good sure like the value is there but like like jeremy was saying deadly like destitree is so much better than this card i don't even think it's worth comparing i actually think you play this card when you don't take thanos and you just play white guardians i think there's more value there But. but then that means it's again competing with restricted slots so I concur with everything you've said, and, and I want to say that at the end of the day, this card's going to fall on the good versus amazing spectrum. Um, but I don't necessarily think you have to keep it for Groot and save, or sorry, Rocket and save Daily Duo, right? That's just, you know, random ways in which it can be good. Um, but let's say I've got two characters days, like pick whichever two they are. Uh, I guarantee there will be games in which the extra die on both offense and defense are critical to keeping a character alive or pushing through that last damage. Um, I don't know. I think this is one of those intangibles where so- some games is going to, you know, spike really well, i.e. the effectiveness of the card, and then some games it's going to have, you know, close to zero effect. You know what, character? I- oh, go ahead. Uh, I think I know where you're going, but the- I will just say that I, I think it's impossible to quantify that die mattering like rolling a six die attack versus a five die attack and knowing that it made a noticeable difference like that's it's just impossible to tell and i think because of that you will have people in one camp because they feel psycho like for whatever reason they have positive confirmation bias that it's good and you have people that have negative confirmation bias that's bad and just because of their first or second game interaction with that card or their you know gambler's fallacy in their head they'll think it's good or bad I think the actual true value of this card is going to be noticeably less than what people expect it to be. I th- I feel like this card feels a lot like Hood's Gang. It feels like a lot of like Hood's Gang yeah. to me. It's one of those cards that are like when you read it, you're like, shit, that seems Hood's so Gang is good. So much better than this. But Hood's Gang is so much better than this. But even yeah. then, when you play with Hood's Gang and you actually play with it, some games it does pop off, but some games it does almost nothing. Um, and you get kind of that confirmation bias. I play Hood's Gang a lot because I had a couple games that I felt like it was awesome. But then I played it a couple times, and it, it I, the reroll did nothing to help me. The extra dice may do nothing to help these characters. There is one character in Guardians. The first character I thought of actually when I picked this up, when I looked at this, was Nebula, because Nebula gets to reroll dice on defense and on offense, and getting an extra dice on top of that. Because one of the things Nebula does not have is a lot of dice in her pool because she's rerolling so much. It's out of balancer. So getting four dice on defense uh, with a reroll and, you know, uh, five dice, seven dice with all like full rerolls on offense, that is scary. But again, Nebula on her backside doesn't have a huge health pool, so she can just fall down. Like there are lots of, you know, some of the scariest offensive models like Rocket and Nebula are, you know, two pointers. So they're 
you know, a lot easier to squish to remove trivially. And then you go, okay, cool. My rocket or nebula got a pretty good turn. One dice out of that. Um, I don't know how worth it it was. It may feel, I don't know. Like, I think this is one of those cards that on a track, on a trash scale, Aaron, what would, what would you give it right now? Do you, do you have any way of guessing? Um, feel, this feels like a bad I version would say of Hood's Gang. Three. So okay. uh, let me counter that. But so Hood's Gang is only bad because of the requirements. Uh, Hood has to play it on his activation in his normal form. So if that was a power phase effect, it would be played all the fucking time. Mm-hmm. So anyway, I just want to make that point. I think Hood's Gang is bad. Not bad. Less competitive because of the restrictions on the card, not because of the card. So because okay. this card can be played when it's needed, um, I'm not saying it's better than Hood's Gang, but uh, anyway. Let's I give look, it a three. So it's a three on the I just, scale. I just need to clarify. A very good to excellent card is a three on the scale. Um, What so- words exist above three then? <laughs> I, need I to know. did not say very good to excellent. I said good to That's amazing. That's literally what you said. I said good to amazing, to amazing, and I'm leaning towards it being good. You said very good to excellent. I, I, I did not. We're, okay, <laughs> we're going to check that. You should check it. Um, I'm definitely going to say I that think this card is going to see a lot of testing, and ultimately it probably uh, doesn't make most tens because of the lack of consistency on the card. Okay, so that's why I was coming at you so hard, because you use the terms good, very good, and amazing to compare a card that is not going to make tens. So, so that's, I'm also if pre- you had just said, I don't think it makes rosters, I'd be like, I agree. <laughs> like, I, I like, am prepared to be wrong and have it be the best thing since sliced bread. Um, and okay. I, I, I think there's a possibility it can be. Um, well, as someone who's thrown a injured death decreed Gamora, you know, Titan, whatever the hell her spender is called, I don't even know. Uh, like, I threw the Titan Gamora spender. Yeah, Titan Killer is Yeah, I, I can't remember what hers is called. Regardless, I threw a full 10 die Gamora spender into somebody and got one hit. I'm like, one die is not going to change the outcome of games. But it's going to be you know a contributing factor. A small contributing factor. Like, if it, if that was that strong, Zemo would be in every list. Like, literally every single list if it was that strong. Yeah, I feel like this is... There are a couple characters of Guardians that wouldn't mind it. Nebula, Rocket... Oh, do you want to know who really likes it? What's that? Ghost Rider. Yeah, Cosmic Ghost Rider. Yeah. Like, there are a bunch of there are a bunch of characters that are going to, like, get some work out of it, for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, but, like like mm-hmm. you just said, like, does it, does it matter? Let's see. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay, so that was one. What's next? Uh, it's time travel. Don't ask. An affiliated card. Um, during the cleanup phase, after victory points have been scored, an allied Cosmic Ghost Rider that is not contesting an objective token may spend five power to play this card. Cosmic Ghost Rider may then advance medium toward an objective token you are not securing. If you would now secure the objective token, you immediately score one victory point. Then, if Cosmic Ghost Rider has a Psychosis token, you may remove it. Okay, 
I need to go first. I, I, I'm not going to say anything at all about this card. <laughs> it is all you, man. I can't keep my sanity and talk about it. All right. I'm going to attempt to keep my volume below 110 decibels. What the fuck were they thinking when they wrote these words down? This card literally has no effect. Okay, you're wrong there, but go ahead. All right, literally is a bit hyperbole, but this card does nothing. If this card says spend five power, question mark, that's what this card says. You get a free move. It's a move. I will hit you. <laughs> okay, is it because they don't specify when it happens? So you mean uh, it's because they don't happen? specify what words mean is the actual <laughs> problem. So, Parker, I have a question for you. Mm-hmm. If Ghost Rider has a psychosis token and is standing above a uncontested secure... Would he secure it? My answer is no. Because that's hold. what cannot contest Yeah, it means. cannot hold, contest, or interact with objective tokens. Yeah. yeah. And so to secure, you must contest. Mm-hmm. I hate this card so much. So you're saying he spins five power to score a victory point. So if he's already standing on top of a secured by himself. He cannot play it. He cannot play it because he is contesting. Well, unless we're going to say he's not contesting it, which means, again, this card does nothing. (laughs) If he has a psychosis token, he can move medium towards a point you did not score. At which point, he cannot score it because he has a psychosis token. But he does immediately score one VP for being close to it, according to the card. No, No. only if you would secure it at that point. Oh, if you would. But he has a psychosis token, so he can't contest it. So you wouldn't secure it because you don't have any more contesting models than you've just had. I see. You guys are are saying because of the words as written, which is said, the joke is words, right? (laughs) Words as written, this does nothing. However, the intent of the card could be clear. However, the the intent is not printed on the card. It is some other thing. Well, that's the thing. What is the intent? Are you saying that they intended you to score if you did if you had the token are you saying you truly and objectively believe that i you were intended to be able to score with a psychosis token i i think what they're intended to do this is my interpretation of the card when i read it what i interpreted was if he is not contesting an objective token which i think the fact that he has a psychosis token means he doesn't have to move and that's fucking weird like the fact that he could functionally always spend five as long as he has a psychosis token on him Mm -hmm. always Maybe true. Uh, so if that's true, then anytime he has a psychosis token, he can spend five. But if he doesn't have one, he has to be non-contesting. Then he moves medium towards something. If he towards is... specifically a blue token. No. Sorry, wait. No. Any objective token, Any objective that, token you are not that you are not securing. But not contesting. He's a securing. So it needs to be a blue Specifically one. securing. So if you're tied somewhere, you can move towards that token. Right. So you can move towards it and... And then you're supposed to score a victory point because you spent five and played this card. If you are, you if, would now be if securing you would now be securing. And let's then just pretend the psychosis token, if he has one on it, does does something. I don't. Again, this is you're right. It makes no. It doesn't make a lot of sense. But I think you're supposed to ignore the psychosis token when you score a victory point, which makes no sense because the psychosis token tells you specifically not to. However, uh, yeah. It sounds like you're supposed to immediately score a victory point from the card, then remove the psychosis token. I think but it would be. I don't think it, that's what. It, I don't think that's what they wanted. Oh, okay. I think it, they specifically wanted it to be. If you would normally secure it, then you get the point. 
which is supposed to be very rare. So you're saying, oh, you're saying you you, you would think what they're trying to say is spend five to move to a point when he doesn't have a psychosis token. Then mm-hmm. if he's there without a psychosis token, score an extra victory point off the card because he doesn't have a psychosis token. And then he's there. That's a legitimate way you could play the card as okay. written right now. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's it's. I feel like it would be really clearly my way if they move the mm-hmm. then if Gosman Ghost Rider has Satoshi so remove it up to the top of that same paragraph. Oh, sure. Then, then no, it, then that's why I think that, yeah. there's no way you could tell me this went through any kind of playtesting or editing right. and ended up with this print. So, so hold this on. Is, so there's, I have a question for you. There's two options. They either sent the wrong version of the card to the printer or did not want you to score when he has a token. That's the only two options. Okay. Je- Jeremy, what's the last sentence on the card? I don't have the card pulled up. Oh, you Then have if Asher. Cosmic Ghost Rider okay. has a psychosis token, he may remove it. And this is in the cleanup phase, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay, so at the at the very end of the cleanup phase... I thought you weren't going to say anything. They, I, well, I'm not drunk enough to not give a shit. Okay. Uh, so this card lets you get rid of a psychosis token as the last step in the cleanup phase. Technically mm-hmm. the second to last step, but fair enough. Um, if we look at Ghost Rider's card, what's the first thing he does in the power phase? Rolls the five dice and then nope. gets the... before that. Loses the, the psychosis. He loses the psychosis token that's on him. Yeah. So, there is, WTF. There is... There is Wait, what? One singular game effect that happens before he loses the token automatically, and that is he gains a power. Sure. Okay. He gains a single power. I'm trying to find out where you say that. It's in his fucking crazy rule. Yeah. Okay. It says, if the character has five or more, the character gains a psychosis token and drops all objectives. At the start of the the other rule says. At the start of the next power phase. Remove all psychosis. Oh, so he only ever yeah. has one. It comes idea. off automatically, and then you make the dice roll. So why would a card let you get rid of something if the next game step is to automatically get rid of that? It well, makes yep. absolutely no sense. Hold, this hold on. card doesn't make any sense. Hold on, I'm a little confused. Maybe you guys can help me with the timing of this. Okay, go. So because cards resolve after scoring... Here, I'm, I'm just going to run through both phases real quick. So... Cleanup is score points, then resolve play. Then excuse me. Then resolve crisis effects, then resolve player effects, then undays characters. So this literally then power phase. Everyone gains normal power for powering up. Then you resolve um, player effects. Then you resolve crisis effects, and then the player power phase ends. So in that order. The only thing that happens between Ghost Rider removing a Psychosis token from the Tactus card and removing it from his own rule is characters undazing and gaining one power. And so there's no logical reason to play the card to remove the token because he would then um, gain it before you even went to, like, Infinity Formula to gain an extra power for Infinity Formula. It doesn't help his rule triggers before that. Yeah, so this doesn't help him. So if he has the psychosis token, the way this card appears, you would think, oh, so he'll get to remove the psychosis token, and then he'll be able to score at the end of that at the beginning of the turn. But he doesn't because this card effect happens after scoring. So, <laughs> so this card does. Well, I will say this for the card: the title is perfect. 
<laughs> because, <laughs> yeah. because the card is so fucking confusing. And right. back asswards, it does read and work like a time paradox, where you're just like, I don't understand anything. It literally is just like timey, wimey, wishy, like it yeah. doesn't make sense. It doesn't make any okay, sense. Okay, so things this card actually does that you can make a legitimate argument is a positive for some reason. <laughs> uh, it allows you to spend five power in the in the cleanup phase. So hypothetically, let's say you took a bunch of damage after your activation. So let's say you spent a zero during his activation because you're trying to get rid of your, your, your token. Then you, you took like five damage. And you're like, man, I really need him to be able to score next turn. I have to get to zero right now. Play the card to burn five power so you can try and get down. So that's one option. Or or you could spend that five power to actually move somewhere. No. Yes. No, no, not if you're trying to remove the token. If you're trying to score, because you're going to lose the game if you don't, contest. Not score. I just want to get to a better spot. I can spend no, five power to move. That's not what I'm saying. I know. I know. I'm, okay. There's two. I, I hopped in the middle of it. I hopped in the middle of okay. your argument. All right. Well, you hopped in the middle of my argument and came up with a new argument. I'm going to finish my point. Nope. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so I think there is an argument for trying to spend power with tactics cards to try to not get a psychosis token. But I think that's a dumb strategy considering you're already all in on the kill them plan because you took a six point model that can't contest most of the time. So that would be, I think, a bad idea, but it technically has a use. The other option is, like Aaron said, you can play it to effectively be able to move depending on how well you plan out your turns. And so if you need to move in the cleanup phase as opposed to moving on your activation, because let's say, for example, your opponent has priority and they've got like a... um, a Malekith that's going to charge you. You could play this card and move medium away from him. So wait, he can't just come over and kill you for free. I think there's actually value to that. Out Everything the card actually says, though, is fucking fuck-busted dumb. Like, makes no sense. Are, are you done? Yeah, sorry. Okay, what if you don't have a Psychosis token on you? Could you then spend five power to move and secure uh, a victory yeah. point? You could. Okay, so if you don't don't have the Psychosis token, this actually gets you a victory point. Assuming that you could move exactly in a way... I mean, obviously he's mobile, so you could try to set it up. But, I mean, if you just didn't have the Psychosis token, he's effectively infinite speed, so why don't you just score that point anyway? Well, now you can score two points. Like, he can be on one, scoring in the regular phase, and then he can spend five, and he can go somewhere else. Secondly... Uh, we need to point out that you do not just get to score a victory point off of the little blue objective tokens. You can score this victory point off of any fucking thing on the ground. Dossier. The dossier, pay to flips, uh, objectives, a hammer's on the ground. Normally, you can... So how about this, Parker? Can you ever secure a hammer? Uh, I don't think so. Right, you're wrong. You can you can interact with them. You can contest them. Every objective token, according to the rulebook, can be interacted with, or secured, or contested. It is up to the objective token to tell you what those effects do. Now you can't Ah. always interact, but you can always. Mm. uh, According to the rulebook, it just says interact. uh, It's a generic rule in the game. We'll not we'll we'll not argue. Yeah, Um, that'd be interesting to waste of power. But uh, that point aside. the definition of contesting is to be within one of an objective. Right. 
if you have more healthy than your opponent, you are securing that objective. Period. Oh. Dot. There oh, okay. are certain scenarios that give you victory points for securing objectives. We all know what those are. Um, most of them don't, but you are technically securing a hammer if you are within one and your opponent is not. Or you're healthy and they're not. Correct. Yes. Got it. So you could use this to do some weird thing where you go and score a victory point off of a chimichanga sitting on the ground somewhere. Mm-hmm. Uh, assuming, of course, you did not have the psychosis token that turn. Seems okay. bad. Like This <laughs> is a negative 10. Yeah. Negative fucking 10. Yeah. Just rip it up. And, yeah. and print out the new one that they publish with the errata when he comes out. Yeah, I mean, I don't see how this card gets left in the game as it's currently worded. That's weird. Because, like, it's actually just confusing. Like, the further you, the longer you look at this card, the more confusing it gets. Both from, like, a, like, like how did this ever, what is this for? Again, the, the title is the only thing that makes perfect sense for it, because of how dumb it is. I love it. Oh no, you are correct, Aaron. You cannot always interact. They're just our generic interact rules. But it says there's a caveat sentence in the paragraph that says a crisis card uh, will crisis cards allow characters to interact with objective tokens. Uh, it will include an interactability in its special rule. Yeah, so it looks like you cannot normally interact. But yeah, you definitely can contest and secure any token. Alright, you guys ready for the last card? Yeah. I promise it's not so dumb. <laughs> mm. Watch out. Uh, Empty promise. I think, I think it's a pretty low bar to jump over. Um, yeah. The last one's called Servants of the Titan. It's a Black Order card. During Cosmic Ghost Rider's activation, any number of allied Black Order characters may spend one to play this card. So specifically during Cosmic Ghost Rider activation, all Black Order characters, um, any number rather, can spend one. For each power spent to play this card, roll a die. For each crit, hit, or wild, and blank. Crit, hit, wild, and blank, yep. Cosmic Ghost Riders deals one damage to each enemy character within three of him. For each skull and uh, block, Cosmic Ghost Rider suffers one damage and gains one power. Okay, I find this incredibly interesting that you and Parker misread this card in the exact same way. What do you mean? Just now? You said uh, deals one damage to each enemy character. Sorry. That's what Aaron read the to first time. To an enemy. Sorry, you're right. To an enemy. Wow, yeah. I did it exactly. So it's one time. damage per successful result applied to an enemy character of your choice. Thank you for clarifying that. That would have been very different. Yep. <laughs> for each of the basically no block, no skull. It's the same as the um, oh no, it's no block or skull. So it's a 6 and 8 chance. Deal 1 damage to an enemy character within 3. Can you do it to the same person? Yeah, I think. It's for every result. So you can do 1 damage to an enemy character. I think that means... Yeah, I think you're right. 1 over and over again. 
Let me check like Hood's wording just to make sure that it's the same. Which hood card? Uh, like his lightning thing. Ah. Um, number of other enemy characters. Yeah, that's totally different wording. Yeah. I don't think there's a restriction on that unless they just arbitrarily decide there is one. That's really good, actually. I assumed it was limited one per character. No, it, it's... For each skull and block, he suffers the damage. Hmm. I don't know why I never thought about that dealing like he's like, oh I roll four. I got four. Like this guy takes four damage. Mm -hmm. Like it's perfect distribution of damage. Mm -hmm. And I actually really like this and, card. And you also get blanks. Mm -hmm. I mean I yeah, so I read read it to where it has to be on one character. Uh, so each individual example is a separate instance of the trigger. Okay. According to previous precedents, I guess they could say whatever they want. But Okay, so applying this to Bill, four damage, he could just spend four power to negate all of it? Um, I think so. You're either doing the effect four separate times... In which case, Bill and Jugs could spend a zero. Here, me too. I'm looking at cubes. Sure. I think cubes is the same. I think it is, too. Which, it's all one application. Each character damage. suffers one damage for each cosmic cube they are holding. Gains one power for each they suffered. I mean, good news. I'm sure there'll be some sort of official ruling. Quote-unquote official. Mm, they might have... This might be that rule they reversed. Hold on. No, it is all, it's a pile of damage. It is a pile. Okay. Uh, yeah, it's the same as Ghost Rider's pen, or, uh, Wicked Judgment. It's one per each result, so it is, it is all combined and then dealt. Um, so what was the card read? Each. Deals one damage to an enemy character within three of him. I don't know, that just reads to me like you're supposed to be able to split it up. But, yeah, I don't know how that's going to end up working. Okay, so if you can't spread the damage, is it a good card? If you cannot spread it, yes. Yeah. Yeah, I think so too. Anytime you can avoid rolling attack dice and defense dice. Yeah. I don't know. I think obviously the floor is zero, but a realistic floor is, let's say, two. Uh, if you just want to, say, apply two damage to an enemy character of your choice, like uh, that's pretty good. Uh, we all, we're also discounting the fact that if you roll skulls and blocks, he takes damage. Are we that bad about him taking damage if it gains a power for it? Probably it's not, right? A, uh, I don't think the, the power yeah. matters. Yeah, yeah. I think he it's just, just it, this. There's no. 
if it was just suffer damage, you might go, oh, that's not as good. But he actually gets the power for it. So you're actually giving him power to do more stuff. Honestly, I think he's going to have as much power as he wants. Um, what, no, I, I, what I'm, what I'm saying is the, it's not a, the, the negative, quote-unquote, is not so negative, is what I'm saying. Yeah. So the widest Black Order exclusive list you can build with him is 5 wide at 20. Um, anything less than 20, you can only go 4 wide. So this card's pretty limited in the quantity of dice you can roll. Um, you have a 6 and 8 chance of dealing damage to them, so I think this is always worth it if you play it. The only question is, do you have enough Black Order characters to justify it? Uh, it does say any number of black of allied Black Order characters. So if he is a Black Order survivor, which we can, only, you know, we can assume at this point mm-hmm. he is, then he would he could spend it himself. It doesn't say but other. Yeah, that's what I just... Yeah. yeah. That was what I was counting. Okay. Five wide with 20 in him. Right, so if the, you're meaning that five wide, so he'll get to roll five dice if you... You Assuming know. that he's yeah. Black Order, yes. Yeah. And you, you took exactly that list. Right. Power is generally not the Black Order's problem. Yeah, so that means, though, that you're playing, like, Corvus Glaive without the Reality Stone. Like, I'm mm-hmm. just pointing out, like, it is it is costly to get that wide, because yeah. they don't have cheap characters. Right. Uh, I think in the Black Order list, if you're playing that Corvus Glaive version, which I've played before and it's a ton of fun, um, he goes in it and this card goes in it too because you have enough space for Black Order cards. Um, Mm -hmm. There's plenty of space. I think this definitely makes your 10. Well, so if you're just saying I'm never going to play it 5 wide, I think you realistically take Reality Stone Corvus instead. Um, Or, honestly, you just play Leaderless. It's really not the big deal. All the characters in the list either just take the stones they want or don't have power issues. Mm -hmm. Um, So, like, if you go Proxima, Supergiant, Corvus, Black Swan, and then throw in Cosmic Ghost Rider, that's a pretty solid, like, core group of models. Yeah, I like this card. It it's a cool little like oh god, I got this last person like just get rid of them and I'll be fine. Um, also, notably, gets behind you know away from things like uh, DR and mm-hmm. uh, well, I guess not DR right if you're giving not one big thing of damage, but uh, martial arts, martial artists, artists. shit like that. Yeah, they have cover and all kind of shit to make them mm-hmm. better. Yep. Alrighty. Um, anything else on this? Nope. Alrighty. Uh, some interesting cards overall. Um, I still think that Time Travel 1 is uh, probably the worst worded card they've ever released. Uh, it's probably not the most, like... Definitely not the worst card they've ever released because that card is still better than Fearful Symmetry, even if they don't fix it. But <laughs> Fearful Symmetry is so bad. <laughs> it's so bad. Yeah, this actually does create like a like. Technically, you spend five power and you get a thing potentially, so it's not impossible to to see it. Worst happen. case scenario, you get a medium move, but I I just 
the guy could spend that five power to place five, mm-hmm. like range five place. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like I don't understand why you would spend the five power to move medium. Like it's got to be a really weird situation. I guess there is a strong argument that he has a lot of stuff he gets to do out of activation with his um, like uh, counter shot. And so being able to medium move him into threat range of people before he activates is nice because you could then, like, I've got your back different people at different times. Yeah, it still seems fun. I was going to say, you're digging real hard. <laughs> no, like, I'm trying to understand yeah. this card. I just, like, what would, what, like, what would possess me to write these words down and tell people about it? Like, that's, that's where I'm trying. I'm trying to figure it out. Maybe they sat down. Maybe they sat down and they're like, "We want a time travel card." He's kind of a zany character. He's got like a screw loose. He doesn't really make sense mm-hmm. to people. They don't explain him very well in the comics. So let's make a, a card that re- really reflects that. <laughs> I don't think that's what happened. I really I know. don't see them I know, writing I know. a card to actively confuse people. I know. I mean, we've shown like they know how to do zany, wacky stuff. Like we have Yoink in the game, right? Where, like Deadpool steals something from somebody, right? Or like, from a friend. There's like ways from, to do yeah, that. From, like friendly characters. Friend of me, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Cable's not exactly his friend, right? Anyway, uh, moving on. Uh, so we had a tournament over the weekend. Um, we had a pretty good turnout considering how busy everybody was. Unfortunately, we weren't able to go up to Bug Eater, but uh, we had a pretty good showing. Um, we had the Ottawa guys come up. They haven't been able to make it in a while, so it's good to see them. Um, Parker, do you want to tell us about your games in the tournament? Uh, yeah, actually, I had, um, I had a really, really fun tournament. It was really good. I decided to bring my new, uh, Avengers list called What Blanks, uh, inspired by getting trounced, uh, by Web Warriors recently. Um, I was just like, but if I just made a list that doesn't really interact with my opponent very much and is planning on picking stuff up and running away, um, and just being very difficult to kill, so it's all the martial artists and Avengers uh, with Steve um, try to keep the mobility up and the model model uh, model count up, mobility up, and size down. So the whole list is size two. Everything is size two to make it harder to easier. To, yes, it's easier to throw them and push them, but harder to take damage from things like throws into each other. Um, and and yeah, if if I never piloted it before which showed in my first game of uh, some of them played Midnight Suns and they did a really good job of setting up the best uh, tactics card what is their tactics card the is it Siege of Darkness is that the name of it Siege of Darkness yeah yeah they set up the best Siege of Darkness turn ever where every, all of my guys were like one or two health away from being dazed and it was like turn 4 and uh, he was behind by like two victory points and he did a Siege of Darkness, KO'd everybody, everybody dropped everything, he scored everything, and won, like, that turn. Just a really, really, really strong Siege of Darkness. Um, and after that, I learned what not to do with my list, um, and uh, the, I played two more games in the tournament, and I won both of them. Uh, one of them against a brand new player is awesome. We saw a lot of new players come out for this tournament. They loved it. We we keep telling people come to tournaments. Even if you're new, you'll love it. And they did. They are they are hooked now, and it's awesome. I got to play him, and he was a big learning game from him. He was still learning how to do a lot of things with his models. Um, 
and uh, I won that one. And then I played against uh, Jeremy in our third round, and uh, Jeremy wanted his bottles to do things. He wished for it to happen. He really craved it, and they they didn't they didn't wanna. Um, and so uh, I it was it was a it was a game watching his things not happen. And so I, I was able to win that one. Then I played a pickup game afterwards um, against a, an awesome opponent uh, who stuck around and we played, and he was playing Guardians. It was a really close game, but um, my on turn three, my guys showed up offensively for really the first time the whole day. The list is not meant to be an offensive list, but they all kind of showed up. Uh, I have decided that the, the linchpin of, of the list besides, of course, Steve, is actually Cable. Um, Cable is my new favorite Avenger. He is so strong um, at this thing in this list, which is incinerating them so I can do enough damage to him to knock him down. He does enough like generic damage with his throw and his, and his uh, rifle, very consistent. Also, something he does, which surprises the hell out of people, is he steals center extracts on turn one and brings them back to my line because he gets to body slide by one for one um and so he would go up to the middle point grab something and then move backwards and then he's a fantastic backline piece from that point on in the game he's in steve specifically i have i love him um i found out i do not like strange that much that was something on the podcast we talked about maybe dropping in strange he just seems kind of expensive i wanted to play more models and so i'm reworking the list right now and do we do you want to talk about? I, I wanted to know what you guys thought about the last who the last two characters should be. Now that uh, some of you guys have seen it run, or do you want to talk about that now or later? Uh, I have this quick bit of news that's actually breaking. I need to read real quick. Oh, okay. Um, it says here, according to Twitter, Ian Rappaport says Parker Guidry has been traded to Muse on Minis for Colin Pritchard. <laughs> I don't know what that means. I think that. <laughs> Wait. Like there's, you you become addicted to the, the water, <laughs> the, the cable water. <laughs> I love it. Uh, he is, uh, he was. I, I realized the problem with cable is that I was playing him in uh, X Force, in playing him in X Force, <laughs> and he's 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 a terrible X Force member and a really good Avenger. Um, did you like Doctor Strange when you played him? I did not. Uh, not because Doctor Strange is bad, it's that I I found uh, or that he, he has that mobility. He doesn't have enough mobility. Um, okay. Like the list is is got Cable, Black Panther, Spider Woman, um, <coughs> uh, or long movers. Like list has so many long movers, or then long movers plus you know teleporters, or or, or jumpers, um, p- pouncers, I guess, in in Tala's case. But the point is, I was loving the mobility of the list. And he does not have enough of it. I wanted him so much to be able to move and attack or move. Uh, moving twice yeah. and healing was never good enough. Or moving uh, and, and buffing defense was done better by Cable. Also, he's not an Avenger, and so it's harder to play the to, you know play the couple out of faction characters like Ghost yeah. Spider. Who no, I get really that. I, I think it's fair. I think losing the heal is actually pretty big. Yeah. But, uh, so yeah. Uh, you said there's two character slots left? No, I, I, I fibbed. Uh, it's one character slot. I realized that for some reason I had accidentally swiped a character out on my app. 
Um, well, I feel like when you get more reps with this list in, you'll come to find there's like a core four models now that you're uh-huh. kind of like, you, I remember when we first built it, you had Strange and Cable kind of that got to figure out which one is better situation. Right. I feel like as you continue to pare the list down to its, its baser elements, you'll, you should actually try and broaden your horizons and kind of do like a dual style list. So either bring in a different Avengers package or because it wouldn't be hard if you're already running Steve, just bring in like maybe a beat em up synergy list. That's just like Heimdall and a couple other people. So Heimdall has made the list too. Uh, I actually already took out, I took out strange for Heimdall actually, because Heim, okay. I feel like Heimdall does some of the things that strange does notably not heal. But if I, if I can't play cable because it's a very small point level, mm-hmm. uh, Heimdall can give me some mobility back he can give me some functional defense buff because he'll let me reroll some defense dice. Yeah. Um, so he actually is my discount cable. Um, the uh, the other character I took out that I do not know how to replace yet is Hood. He was originally in the list, um, really just because he could heal and he fit the theme of he can use his blanks, he gets to use his defense um, abilities a bunch, he charge for one on his other so side. He, There's a bunch of things he can do. Out? I took him out, and the main reason why is I could not find a game to play him in this weekend, but maybe I should just put him back in just to see if I ever find a game to play him in. But every single time I was like, oh, I can't play Hood because there are all these other things I want to do that are more important. All right, so so who are your three most important models? Like uh, Right now, probably Captain America, obviously, Cable. Yeah, Steve. And the third one is probably... Spider Woman. Yeah, a Spider Woman is it's really close tie between Black Panther and Spider Woman. I usually use the scenario to kind of help me decide which. But um, they're they're like a, an in between, right? Like those yeah. are that's an alternate piece. Yeah. Okay. Um, I found that Iron Fist was actually really strong all day. Um, yeah, I could see that for sure. In this list, he was because uh, people were trying to kill everything else so hard. Iron, he was just able to charge up the Iron Fist and do it once or twice a game. Yeah, if you get to just stand in the middle and beat on them. But, mm-hmm. like, the whole point is the list doesn't die regardless, mm-hmm. so he should be doing well. Mm-hmm. Um, I would just obviously be cautious. I think... Hmm. Ghost Spider was super key into the... Uh, Feels like Spider-Woman's going to be absolute. Like, there's there's no way you could ever take Spider-Woman out of the list. No. I feel like you could take Black Panther out. Not saying you should. I'm mm-hmm. just saying it, it would be possible. I put them um, both. I put them both down twice, actually. Um, yeah. And it, no, I it think it's great. good to have both. Um, I'm just saying as an example, I think Spider Woman is definitely more key because the one thing your list doesn't really do is win on scenario. It just is good at it, but it doesn't mm-hmm. win. Right. And so I think you have to have a dedicated stealer. I don't think the list functions without it. Mm-hmm. Um, you have a decent amount of displacement between. Um, like Black Panther and Steve and potentially a couple other people. The other, the, on that note, I considered um, Miles or Black Cat as a replacement for Hood just to make more of a scenario game, just to push hard in, on that. Um, but um, I they're both pretty squishy. They're, they're definitely the biggest target as soon as you put them in. It's kind of like, this list kind of suffers from the all-stealth you know, version of the get list where you're just like, oh. everything is stealth. Well, except for that guy. Well, then, yeah, he what, dies. <laughs> what missions are you playing? Um, right now I'm playing uh, all big scoring ones. So, uh, Scoundrels, yeah. um, Riots, and Cosmic Invasion. Um, and then my reds are Paranoia, Spider Infected, and Scrolls. 
Um, Why, um, have you thought about playing pay to flips? If you're just going to stand there and grind on people? Well, this is actually one of the things that I found, is that I do not have a lot of power floating around, okay. actually. So you are power hungry? Yeah, okay. and that's actually uh, one of the, somebody is, is at a tournament, uh, Iron Man, and I could play Helios Laser to just, you know, destroy mm-hmm. somebody. I was like, actually, on my list, I... I don't think I had ever had a turn in which I had 10 power floating on my models because they were constantly spending, spending it on it, stuff. Yeah. And it was getting great use out of it. You know, they were interrogating or they mm-hmm. were buffing their defense, you know, and they were just living forever or yeah. it was... But I don't have power sitting around, ever. If if you guys have questions for him too, feel free to jump in. I'm not trying to monopolize. No, you're good. Okay. Um, so can you run through your, your nine then real quick? Okay. It's... Uh, Steve, Captain, uh, Cable, Black Panther, Spider Woman, Luke Cage, Iron Fist, Black Widow, Ghost Spider, Heimdall. Um, okay. Um, why Luke? So Luke actually got put in at the last minute because I think the the other character was originally Red Guardian. Um, mm-hmm. and I liked Red Guardian for the list a lot, but uh, he, he is unpainted. And so I just like I wanted to paint, 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 uh, play painted. I think okay. I think uh, Red Guardian is a really obvious <laughs> include that I like a lot. Yeah, I definitely would cut Luke. Yeah, I like Luke, but there's no reason to have him in there. Uh, um, he he is uh, when I double down to make sure Immortal Hulk uh, in, in my in my game against Jeremy after after getting losing bad to Immortal Hulk in the first round, I was like in my game against Jeremy. I'm just doubling down on all the things big characters don't want to see. So I had Luke on the field. To just mm-hmm. uh, make sure that I was going to get to taunt or heroes for hire, or both, and it was great. It it worked well. Um, so I think he's. What about Okoye then? Um, Second two with martial artist, but she has taunt or bodyguard rather. Oh, why didn't I? I totally forgot she has martial artist, mm-hmm. and she has a defensive reroll as well. Oh, she could <laughs> be. Oh, that's a great. Great idea. Why did I not think of that? I've been looking at all the threes, staring at all the right. threes. I didn't think so, about another two. I was going to tell you, I was, I've was. i been cooking up something for Immortal Hulk as well. I want to try Hulkbuster against him. And in yeah. that specific list, I think you wouldn't even need Steve, really. Like, mm-hmm. Steve bodyguarding is nice, but that's Steve's worst nightmare, right? Big single diet, single attack rolls. Also, also right? he throws That you. also displace him. Yeah. yeah, so you just get him out of bodyguard range. Yeah. You're much better to have it be your cheaper models that are taking it. And it's Hulk, Immortal Hulk is faster than regular Hulk generally when you see him. But dude, getting pushed away twice a turn and then getting staggered is still annoying. Uh, super shutting down his throws. Like if they actually field Immortal Hulk against you, I don't know how they kill you. Like I, I honestly don't know how it's possible. Mm-hmm. Like you basically go from taking twenty damage from throws to taking five. Like yeah. it's that much of a, a cut like you just take no damage uh i've actually done this one time before because I, I played a hulkbuster for a while and i mm-hmm. accidentally filled it fielded a hulkbuster with a bunch of martial artists one day and it was awesome because they were trying like oh mm-hmm. i'll just do throws damage with throws like oh i can't do yeah. a lot of damage with throws oh i'll just so do damage with thing... my dice oh i can't do yeah. a lot of damage with the dice <laughs> like it didn't work so well. i would personally try to avoid martial artists specifically mm-hmm. And go for just generic blank rolls, which I know is hard. There's not a lot of gets it against Mystic. Right. But I think you should try and find people that get it against Mystic. Because you're if you're seeing Immortal Hulk, you're probably seeing Blade. And admittedly, Blade's a lot easier to deal with, but you have to deal with Blade. I was finding... It was funny. Uh, I, 
you know, uh, Jeremy and I, when we were puzzling about it, we were talking about Mystic Attackers, and I did not find it to be that much of an issue. I think it, against specific like convocation, where it's every mm-hmm. model's a Mystic, Mystic Attacker, it can become more of a problem. But with one Mystic Attacker, I didn't find it was it didn't it didn't hurt enough. Is I guess the point. Yeah, especially if you've got Cable running around, Cable will kind of preys on Blade a bit, and right. so you just focus Blade the entire game, mm-hmm. and he'll be too weak when he gets to you to actually stand up to anything. Mm-hmm. I do like the idea of, I do like the idea of a model uh, taking out something for, uh, and that also lets you put Helios in and have a kind of a pivot list. Mm-hmm. I'll have to stare at this for a while to find out. Who but honestly, for that. Um, maybe I think maybe Rico- Black Panther. is Ricochet's only for Little Iron Man, right? Uh, Captain America and Iron Man. Yeah, it's Iron Man, not Tony. It's Helios says Tony Stark. Yeah. So yeah, I would I would consider Iron Man even if you're not going to do the Hulkbuster route. I think he's worth it, but it's mostly as a also tough model that has displacement, long range displacement, and then you will get in spots where it's like, okay, I'm just going to save up a little bit of power and Helios this idiot. Mm-hmm. And if you don't want to, like Ricochet is one power each, like, and it's a big chunk of damage. I use Ricochet and Helios as a tandem, and so it's. You weaken somebody, you ricochet to daze them, and you Helios to kill them. And it's just like, they're off the table. Mm-hmm. It's like, and they're one swing back turn, they have to deal with Steve. And so it's probably not going to do anything. And so you can just basically remove any model in the game, including Thanos, in like three solid attacks. Man, I really like the idea of a Koye. That was, that, I don't know why I didn't think of her yet. So you cut... Um, Luke for Okoye and added Hulkbuster. Yeah, that makes sense. And so basically you're just replacing uh, Strange with Hulkbuster. Mm-hmm. But I like it more as a pivot to, from the original design. Right, I think we, I think you figured out with testing that you yeah. don't need a six-pointer in the list right. except for if you're, you're if I, transforming. If, if I'm changing the list, yeah. Yeah. Also, total side note, I just want to play Hulkbuster more. I just love it. I, yeah, I love Hulkbuster. He's too. just so cool, and it's also Tony Stark. It's just I want I want more Tony. I think there's more of a reason now to play him than ever before. Yeah. Unless we, I'm wrong, like he might not do well enough against Mortal Hulk, but I really think he will. I guess we'll see. But yeah, that's uh, I, I I first outing for this list. I really liked it, but there's a couple. Uh, there's some chafe there. Thank you for letting me working that out on the cast. I am. I'm excited to try this 2.0. All right. Uh, I played my first three games with Guardians of the Galaxy with Thanos. And how was Nobody it? Cares. Oh, Nobody sure. cares. Nobody um, cares. It was definitely raw. I was making a lot of impromptu weird decisions, I think. Um Two of my games were on hammers, and that definitely should never be allowed. You should not be allowed to play Thanos on hammers go, with priority. <laughs> absolutely stupid. So you're saying you won at least two of your games? I actually lost my one of my games on hammers. I did not have priority, and it was into the mirror. So it was okay. Guardians Thanos on hammers. He had priority. I actually think I... I mean, nothing against Quentin. I played Quentin in this round. Sure. He's also trusting the list. I think I outplayed him in the matchup. Obviously, I lost, though, so, like, 
I, I could just be misevaluating the situation. I completely understand that. But I had two hammers on my Thanos. He put his hammers on Rocket and Star-Lord, split them up. And I KO'd Nebula on the first action of turn two, because I got priority. He, Nebula never made an attack. Rocket made three attacks. Uh-huh. And Star-Lord made two attacks, and I lost. I'm not really sure how that happened. Like, it was, it just, his Thanos rolled no less than, like, six hits, and my Thanos rolled no more than three hits the entire game. And I had two hammers the whole time. Yeah. And it was just like, Thanos. I went into Thanos, I, I pounced into Thanos, Thanos had one hit point on his healthy side, his, my opposing Thanos. Pounced into it with Gamora, who had one hit point. He blocks two, reduces the third. Uh, Spender, Destacree, injured Gamora, 10 dice, one hit. And it was just like, and he was holding three hammers at the time. If she downs him, um, I put them to where his Star-Lord has to double move to pick them up. I activate Thanos, Thanos kills Star-Lord, I win the game. Yep. Like, it was that easy. And it just like, it just didn't happen. Like, it was just like, it was time after time. I kept, I was just slowly drifting further and further behind. I decided to be kind of cute, and so you could argue that I threw the game, but... I went up, I did Power of the Cosmos into three of his characters with two hammers. So I did an eight dice AoE three. Um, failed to kill Rocket, did one damage to Star-Lord, did one damage to Thanos. And I was just like, okay. And then I pushed his Thanos exactly out of melee range. I thought I could do it to where I would push him into a wall so he'd stay within punch range. Didn't. And so like I rolled three eight-die attacks, did a total of four damage, and then walked backwards. It was so sad. <laughs> But yeah, I I don't think Thanos should be allowed on hammers. Basically, it's really dumb. Uh, my other game was against um, Chris from Omaha. No, from Ottawa. Chris from Ottawa. We actually had a pretty good game. It unfortunately kind of spiraled towards the end because again, Thanos just got a hold of too many things. My Thanos just could not roll bad against Chris either. Like, he did, like, multiple 8 and 9 hit attacks. Jeremy, I think, actually gave me the best game in our game with Immortal Hulk. Or no, he didn't play Hulk. He, uh, he just played wide Midnight Suns. Yeah, didn't work out. Yeah. He punched me a lot. Yeah. Yeah, I just played my standard sons and everybody. Do you have anything in your games you want to talk about, Jeremy? Um, first game I played was against a new fella. Um, played pretty easy. Uh, no Hulk in that game. Ended up winning it. Um, it was a fun game. Uh, the second game I ended up playing Parker. Um... I tilted real bad, and I wanted to put Parker through a window. Um, <laughs> hmm. And I, that was actually, I, I should have played the list I played against you, Brandon. I, I should have went wide. Hmm. Um, I knew it was going to be trouble trying to keep up on a five-point um, scenario with the hmm. low model count I had. But it also doesn't help when you don't roll any dice. Like, it just it just kept flubbing and flubbing and flubbing. And I'm like, yeah. really? Like normally you'll be like, okay, this has got to turn around for me. 
and it just didn't and like i didn't have enough turns to make it work so it's just Mm -hmm. it was real frustrating um i know psychologically you remember like the times it happens more than you don't but it feels like when you play on high scoring missions your dice always fail you like i choose violence i know it's going to be uphill but i think i can do it and it's your dice just go so cold on you and it's like all right well whatever you just have all the points like i don't care Well, like I had the same thought of, okay, we're going to score fast and let's do it. Like I, I was like, cause the thing is, is I know that my list can daze your entire army and I'll score fast on you. Mm-hmm. Um, but when you don't roll it, you just don't roll it. So it is what it is. Uh, then we played our game and you know, that, that story was written. <laughs> yeah. It's all right. I'm still playing it. Uh, I'm still having a good time. There's still a few cards I want to shift in and out. There's still a few models I keep messing with. So. We'll see. Yep. All right, moving on. Uh, next topic, we I wanted to talk about um, some tournament things that I do a lot of tournament organizing. For anyone who doesn't know, um, I have some strong feelings about tiebreakers <laughs> that events use, and so I was just going to bring that into the light a little bit. I think a lot of people um, don't really think about it. I think it actually matters a lot. And I know we've talked about previously on here that I that Aaron thinks the community should take a heavier hand in how events are hosted and not just do generic, you know, fully open tournaments. Um, the reason I think that tiebreakers for tournaments are actually kind of important is it, it actually dramatically affects, like, how people place. And people put a lot of emphasis on how certain lists are doing. And so, let's say you go to a large event, and it's four rounds. Like, you know, mid states, 30 people, four-round event. And you end up being second place. On paper, that sounds awesome. Like, you did very well. But depending on which tiebreaker they're using, you could have placed anywhere from, like, eighth to second. And so, I think a lot of people don't realize how much impact it has on events based on rounds and players and everything. So... Just covering the the common ones that get used, the main two are strength of schedule, which can mean a lot of things, but basically it calculates the strength of your opponents in some way. And there's a lot of different ways you can do that. The second one is usually victory points, and and that it's in Crisis Protocol, that's victory points scored in your games. There's a bunch of other ones that are variants of those, like um, win differential, which is victory points over your opponent's victory points. There are... um, opponent strength of schedule which determines how hard of a day your opponents had and if they just walked into your game Uh, there's a lot of different other variations but those are really the main two and unfortunately i don't think there's really a good third option it's pretty much got to be one some combination of that so i want to know what you guys think Is, is there any time that you've ever been interested in this before is this a bad topic or so i i have some initial thoughts um I will start off by explaining that the TTS League, which is probably the largest organized event for MCP in the world, um, uses strength of schedule and then victory points scored as their first two tie breaks. Uh, and they are extremely important because you have about mm, 30 people who are all tied at X and 1, and they get sorted uh, mm-hmm. from like 3rd through you know 35th. Um, then... The idiots in the league decided that they wanted to do a seated bracket. So one played 35, two played 34, etc. So your ranking mattered a lot. 
whether you were, you know, fourth or 34th. Um, it came down to, in the last league, uh, the, the second tiebreak. Uh, so I think everyone agrees that strength of schedule is a good first tiebreak. The second one being victory point scored is what I have an issue with. Uh, now, again, take this with a huge grain of salt. We're talking about, like, you know, nitinoid, granular, detailed, you know, competitive gaming. I don't really care. But if you're going to have a tiebreak, at least have a better one than victory point scored. And, and I'll give you an example why. Uh, I was playing a league game about two weeks ago, I think, and uh, I had the game kind of wrapped up. And he was just like, okay, I concede. Like, he's done. Like, okay, great. Uh, so he's like, so I guess it's 14-0 for you, which is what the concession rules are. Uh, uh, and I said, well, why don't we just, like, so he had taken his la- he had taken his last action of the turn. I still had one activation to go. I was like, what if I just pick that up and come sit over here? I score out. I win 16-5 or whatever the case may be. And he was like, okay, sure. He could have been like, nope, I conceded before then. Like, denying me the victory points, if you will. Yeah. Um, that's kind of shitty. Uh, I could have also uh, uh, gamed it by only going to 15. Would have been very, very easy. He had one model left alive. Uh, and then uh, could have gone to, like, 22 the next turn. Like, if I was, right. like, super into, like, gaming victory points. Uh, so I think victory points scored is, is a bad second tiebreak. I'll break okay. there before I, uh, I have further comments. I think that's yeah. a good place to stop. I, I, but, and my big problem is what you guys just said is with concession. Like as soon as somebody concedes it, it invalidates a lot of conversations when it comes to using victory points. Um, I really struggle with it. That's one of the reasons why, and you know, I'm sure somebody who's done more tournament organizing and construction than I have can have a better idea than strength of schedule. But the victory points thing, to me, goes directly out the window as soon as somebody concedes. Because concession just screws that. At the same time, I know that uh, strength of schedule also gets completely screwed if somebody says, I'm out of the tournament. I don't want to play no more. Um, I don't know what that does to strength of schedule exactly, uh, as people currently do it. But it can't be the same as somebody playing out the rest of the tournament. Um and actually finding out how all the chips lay if everyone plays all five rounds or six rounds or whatever it is. So as mm. soon as somebody bows out of a tournament, and I know you can't make everyone play a whole tournament because there's things that happen. Um, however, that also must do something to strength of schedule. Um, and I, I don't know if there's any way for anyone to, to, to prove to me, maybe if there is, that there is mm. some way to uh, make that make me feel good. If my strength of schedule was excellent, um, or going very very well, but I got seventh place because two of the you know players I played dropped after some round, um, and then therefore I could not accrue more str- a better strength of schedule because of their leaving. So um, I'll hop in real quick. So Longshanks, which is what a lot of people use for tournaments for MCP anyway, has fixed that, or at least there's okay. a setting to where they fixed it. To where they calculate your opponent's win percentage, not your opponent's win total. So some tournaments, especially using old, old software like Excel, will just like calculate the total number of wins your opponent's had uh, divided by the total number of theoretical games if they'd have played, and that's your, your strength of schedule. Uh, mm-hmm. What Longshanks is, I think, the def- default now set up to do is to not penalize opponents 
when they drop. So you have you have an O one drop. They're only going to count O one against them, not O and six. Yeah. Um, now, having said that, if you're playing against uh, someone who should go like four and two, uh, but you beat them like in the two and two matchup, and then they drop, then they are screwing you, right? If that kind of right. makes sense, yeah. like, yes, whatever. So that's really hard to get around. But your example isn't very good, but <laughs> it, it it is good. But the the exact example you gave of zero and one, it actually averages to the same amount. Zero and six, zero and one is still zero percent win. But it, let's say they went one and one, and so they won their first round. You played them in the second round. That you beat them, and they go, "Oh, well, I was only here to win," and they drop. Well, now they have a fifty percent win record as opposed to a sixteen percent win record if they played it out and they only won one game. And so people that have mentally checked out that actually drop, if you're using an average strength of schedule, does not continue to hurt you, um, which is good. That Aaron is exactly correct on the point. I was just making sure that people understood that was, that's how it works. Is it takes the average wins. Um, all good points that you guys have brought up. Yeah, I just feel. Jeremy, do you have feelings on either side of this? Not this part of it. No. Okay. Parker. Oh, I was just going to say that I, um, the best version of it would be everybody shows up for the tournament, everybody plays every game, everybody goes until somebody scores sixteen or more points, and then they leave the table. And then you could actually say, "Look at all the people and who scored. Let's determine using." this series of tiebreakers, what happened. Um, but as, as soon as you use any one of those, the two we've talked about so far, which yeah. is uh, strength of schedule and uh, victory points, then you mm-hmm. introduce the the concept of the human factor, which, which yeah. makes those less valid. So I am firmly on the side of strength of schedule. Um, that being said, it unfortunately is a very muddy area that there's no good answer to. They both sides have major flaws. The biggest flaw for strength of schedule is it doesn't really start working until round three. And even then, it's flawed. And so once you get to four or five rounds, it starts becoming much better. And if you get to six rounds, it's by far the best. The problem is because it's just a basically a opponent's total wins or opponent's win percentage is basically what strength of schedule is. If you play in first round, somebody who goes one and two, and in round two, you play somebody who goes two and one, and in round three, you played somebody who went two and one, you have five. It's total wins added together. And then, but the problem is three other people did that. And so you have the exact same strength of schedule. That's when it becomes a problem. And now it's, you guys are tied again. Now, how do we break the tie? Then you have to go to other weird stuff. Um, so what I usually do, because I am such a strength of schedule strength of schedule person, is I'll do average opponent strength of schedule followed by total opponent strength of schedule. And so that way, if you had a drop, it starts taking that into account. And then the final one I do is uh, long shank strength of schedule, which is their like special formula they use. It's a little bit more granular, but it's still very similar. The problem is it's all based on the original numbers. What I used to do for War Machine is you did opponent strength schedule and then you did opponent opponent strength of schedule where you evaluated their strength of schedules and applied it in reverse to you. And so that was actually my favorite way of doing it. But uh, the problem that Parker brought up with victory points being included at all is if you get to where a perfect example, concessions, it's like 
there's a lot of different ways you can score victory points. So if we say total victory points scored, and like Aaron's example, his opponent concedes on him when he's about to score higher than 14. Not only is that something that can happen, it's actually in your opponent's best interest competitively to do that if you're in the same bracket. Because he's limiting your tiebreakers at the end of the season by making your maximum victory points lower. Like let's say you guys were tied 21-21, and then on that final turn, it looks like you're going to go up 27-22. He just concedes and you're capped at 14. Which makes no sense, but there's also no rule against it. It's not even, you, like you could argue it's bad sportsmanship, but it is objectively in his good interest to make that decision, and it's a decision he's allowed to make. So why, why how could you penalize him for it? This is something that happens at high level 40k or used to back in the day before they changed the way scoring works. When they had their famous soft scores where people would give you sportsmanship scores. Well, if you go to Adepticon and you're grading your punt sportsmanship and painting, then you would just always grade them badly because you're in the same pool of competitors. And so at the end of the day, you look around and the average sportsmanship and painting score was a one out of five. And you're like, why is everyone grading everyone so badly? It's like, because they want to win. And it's just like, oh my god, this is terrible. And so just every time your opponent's going to win, you concede. It's just really dumb. Yep. So the so I agree with you. Strength of schedule is great. Um, for people who don't like to do a bunch of complex calculations, that's why victory points is very easy. Uh, yeah. I would argue, and I like what Charles did LBO, instead of, strength of, uh, instead of victory points scored, you, you use victory points uh given like opponents victory points um and if there's a concession you just freeze the points as they are so it it does two things one concessions are are quasi irrelevant uh and two it prevents people from running up the score it encourages yeah. me to win faster like so if i'm blowing someone out both me and that opponent probably want the game to be over quickly Right, no one wants me to milk the score to fifteen so I can then go to twenty-two, like other than me trying to milk the score. Right, that's just stupid. Uh, so let's just play the game as quickly as we can. Let's get it done. And if I win sixteen to five, then great. Uh, I will get five points or negative five, or whatever the case may be. Um, let's say five points with the goal being the fewest allowed. So anyway, I think that solves some of the issues with using victory points. Uh, while still not being perfect in any way, shape, or form, because then some, you know, tie that goes into like twenty-two to twenty-three, you know, you're never going to come back from that. So the issue I have with that when they do the uh, points allowed, again, why wouldn't your opponent just concede right before scoring? Because doesn't it give you a huge? It gives your opponent the huge advantage, right? I mean, sorry. Sorry, no, you would get an advantage here. if your opponent concedes right. before scoring. Yeah, if your opponent your concedes opponent before scoring, that. yeah, your opponent would never get that because if you're both in the same bracket, he just he just gave you. So your tiebreaker is total points scored by your op- collective yes. opponents. Right. So if your if your opponent concedes to you, he gave you you. It's golf. You're trying to get the smallest points, mm-hmm. right? You're trying to get the lowest points. Yeah. So he gave you zero, and that's fantastic. The shutout. No, but I'm saying for him. Is it keeps his tiebreaker low? No, oh. his. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it does. Oh, because yes. Yeah, let's say you both go two and one, and you're about to score from six to fifteen or something, or not six fifteen, but like six to twelve. 
and he's gonna he knows he's gonna lose the game. It's like I concede. Like there's no way I win this game. I'm playing against Web Warriors. I concede when he's still at zero. Like like we like we've done the pay to flips. I know I'm gonna lose. It's like I concede. So I like, uh cause cause so you score zero, I get my loss that I already knew I was gonna get. You have zero points, so I now I might get second place. You have yeah, you have zero it's points. But I, cord, I think this is a, this is a bad matchup, and I didn't get my turn one gotcha steal crap. Like uh, I'm out because because uh, I yes. only I only lose or I only gain fourteen points instead of gaining sixteen points or eight, twenty points. Right, because if my goals have the lowest score, I just concede earlier in the game to keep my score. Because fourteen is lower than sixteen. Yeah, yeah. No, you don't get fourteen. That's an alternate rule. You're that's it. Oh. Totally depends on what you're doing, but yeah. But you, either you stop the clock, or you it turns into fourteen or whatever it is. But yeah, you're still right. incentivized. So that's why I think so. The that's the first part of this because I think anytime you grade the individual games, um, and you you say something that happened in the game is going to determine your tiebreakers, like an individual granular thing that happened in the game is going to determine your tiebreakers. That's not actually strength of schedule. It's weakness of schedule. It's the opposite. Because the people that have the best scores face the smallest amount of adversity. And so you're actually rewarding people who had easy games. Like, let's say you get a game, you know, my opponent had barely ever played before. I played Web Warriors. I won 20 to 0. How is that saying that I should have high tiebreakers? Why? What justification is that there? What did I prove in that game when I won 20 to 0? Dude, I, I, I'm totally with you. That's why I, it, it, I think tiebreakers are stupid, and it should just so be a weird. straight, we all tied for third. Mm-hmm. I do like that we tied for third thing. It's See, just now weird. we're talking about what I like. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay. And there's one you... other big point I need to make. No, go back go to Jeremy. Ahead. Jeremy was going to say something. I no, hear yeah, I want Jeremy to go. Um, I like. think that in these type of games, uh, the dick measuring contests and all of that, there's so much mm-hmm. luck involved. People just need to calm the fuck down with this stuff. Uh, I think that the the people that make it to the top two tables, regardless of how it comes out, there's nothing quite as deflating as losing at a top table and finding out you're, what, fucking fifth? Or whatever, like or third, mm-hmm. like that's such horseshit. Uh, that should be first place, second place. I think that there should be a top table, first, second place. Everybody else takes third. Fuck it, like be done with it. That makes me crazy. I hate that at big events. I hate it. That's that's my thing. That that's where I'm at with it. That's a good point, Jeremy. What Jeremy is referring to is referred to as the top table variant or final table variant. Um, basically saying whoever loses to the winner in the final round is the second place player. Uh, I agree with him wholeheartedly. There are a lot of arguments that, like, it's it's actually literally the Monty Hall problem, if you actually think about it. Let's say we play three rounds and Parker wins. Jeremy lost to Parker in round three. Mm-hmm. Uh, so three people today lost to Parker. And let's say all three of them go two and one. Who's to say which of them was the better player, right? Or had yep. the better odds of winning. Yep. And so it needs to be somebody who lost to the winner, which is actually what strength of schedule does, because you'll have an opponent that has three wins when you lose to the winner. And so you have a, a higher chance of getting second place. Um, but it's not required, right? So but it's interesting. The, There's the actually pressure, a lot of permutations. The pressure it. of top table 
the so convention watching yeah. you, the the level mm-hmm. of play at a top table is completely higher scrutiny at the time yeah. when you're playing your third game of a day and your sixth game of a day is not the same. Mm-hmm. It's just not the same. Like I, get I totally it. agree. You know I what mean? I mean? Your court, man. Okay, yeah. that's where I'm at. No, I'm totally with you. I'm just saying that technically, mathematically, yep, it doesn't mean anything, but I'm super with you. It should absolutely be the, the thing. Yeah. I always use final table variant. Um, I think it's really important. Um, so You know what I really yeah, think? I think? Yeah. I think uh, if you ended up losing any of your games at tournament, you should just shut the fuck up and go home. Like You don't have to worry about the fucking tiebreakers if you just win them all. And I, I, I realize that's... Whatever. Uh, do you cliche, know, do you know but I actually believe matter? it's true. What? Do you know why they matter? Because people have small penises? Why? Nope. It's because of invitational style events. That is exactly why. Mm. Nobody gave a fuck until invitational style events happened. Now, yeah. not pointing fingers at LVO and War Machine Weekend and all that. I love those, those events. However, that's why we have these conversations. Mm. Because... How tickets roll down and who placed what in this point system, that's exactly why this matters. Uh, it puts stakes on second, it third, puts fourth, stakes fifth. on high rankings. And not to mention that, but also, like, unfortunately, with the information age we live in, what gets nerfed? Like, if some list makes top three at every tournament, you know, it gets looked at harder. Yeah. And when it's making top three, because. You know, let's say, for example, every tournament in the country used victory points as first tiebreaker. Do you know how many Web Warriors would make top three? Total victory points scored. They would outscore the winners in almost every tournament. And so it's just it's just different, right? It just changes everything. But if you do strength straights of schedule, then, you know, then a lot more fighty lists start showing up. And that kind of takes me to my final point I wanted to make on this. The, the reason, especially in this game, it's not fair compared to other games, is depending on what affiliation you're playing and what missions you're playing, this scoring system is not at all fair. Like, not even remotely. Like, if you play on Scoundrels and Spider Infected, and I play on Demons and... Um, Montessi? Montessi. Like, <laughs> we're not playing the same game. It's not even similar. Like if one of if my opponent is playing, you know, Sons with Immortal Hulk and he's got demons in his list and he hits demons, like I don't have the opportunity to score the points that you do in your game. It is not a fair representation. So you're like, oh well he scored twenty two points. Why didn't you score twenty two points? Because we didn't go to turn nine? What the fuck are you talking about? Like this isn't what are we talking about here? It's like if we do researcher and demons, there's realistically four points available to me every turn. On the high end, if my opponent is playing competently. Like, what am I supposed to do? How am I going to get to 20-something points? It's never going to happen. And that's if I do my absolute best. Meanwhile, you're over here literally just playing in the sprinkler and points are hitting you in the face. Like, it's not the same game. It's more similar now than it was before. But... Before the update, like, you could literally get, like, demons and alien ship. You're like, wow, there's three points in this game. That's fucking awesome. (laughs) But again, it only matters if you give a shit between third and eighth, right? Right. But, I mean, the community is pushing more and more of these events because they're fun. And people want to interact with the fun events. 
And that's why the tiebreakers matter. I totally agree. If you actually like go home, you go, all right, I got third at the tournament this weekend. I feel slightly validated. I'm like, okay, that's really not where we're going with this. And so hopefully you feel validated on your own and you don't need to come in third place to feel validated. Like, I think everyone should be going to the event to have a good time. I, I love honest competition. So I love like the competitive nature of the game, but I don't like, you know, that stuff like i don't like when it's like all like yeah. ego stuff gets involved like get that out of here it's like I, you know you did well you didn't do well it doesn't matter we all had a good time like like i honestly think those I, I think the fo- the folks that came into town and played this weekend at the tournament yeah. all had a good time um mm-hmm. and this was one of the first tournaments probably ever where i lined up against someone who obviously was newer mm-hmm. and i was like we're just going to go through it at your speed you know and just play yeah. the game and like that felt fine and it was good so yeah man this game is not <laughs> dude mm. yeah my my game against chris was my favorite game of the weekend like it's just we just had a chill game it was great but then you have to really line up with the same goals right like i knew mm. what parker was up to and i knew it uh i don't know his name i feel bad about that um but there were just two different goals Mm-hmm. So, like, I gave Parker the game he was asking for, and I gave the other guy a game he was asking for, and it, it's just you different. You didn't give me the game I was asking for. Uh, you'll never get the game you're asking for. <laughs> um, but... I just want a game, Jeremy. I know. You'll never get it. Anyway. Um, yeah. Marvel's at a weird state right now. It really is. So back on the topic, the yeah. the tiebreaker situation. I, I unfortunately I don't think there is a correct answer. I would love to sit here and tell you everyone should be doing this. Please do this from now on. I just there, it isn't there. Um, I think you have to kind of tailor it to your own events. But part of this conversation is that I think people need to be aware of it does matter, and you should be choosing the correct one for you. If you're doing a small size venue. Maybe doing differential of victory points if is fine, but if you're doing a larger event, and not larger like convention level, just like if you have more than eight people, you should probably be doing some form of strength of schedule involved in your tribe breaking. You should also be using some kind of tournament software and probably not doing it by hand. And if you are doing it by hand, make sure you explain to people what the tiebreakers are before the event. Because, like we said with the the, the scenarios are not fair. If you are going to use some of the in-game results as part of your tiebreakers, people need to know that in advance, and they might make different decisions about what they decide to play. Like, if you're doing opponent's victory points scored as your first tiebreaker, you probably aren't going to play that many attrition lists because every point you give up... Like, I've won games 14-0 to as the zero. And, like, so... If you are trying to table them and just ignore points entirely, that's a worthless strategy unless you're going to go undefeated. And because you're going to think that you're placing really badly, but you're actually, they're just grading something you're not trying to do. And so just have that in mind when you're building your list. If we're doing some kind of victory point based scoring system as tiebreakers, you need to be ready to score points and prevent your fun from getting I was going to say, any TO out there um, who's wondering like what they should do, always imagine, if you ever, if this thought ever crosses your mind, ah, you know, I'll, I'll just figure it out, or I'll, I'll just do this, 
just so you know, there are people coming to your tournament that are going to be incredibly invested in whatever strategy you're <laughs> setting up, and they are going to be gaming the shit out of it. That was always the thing. Uh, in Star Wars X-Wing, tiebreakers were a big deal. It was about victory points in that game. Um, models lost, basically. Everyone, everyone was constantly metagaming that. Like, it was a big function of your list. How many points would you give up while you were winning or losing was such a mm -hmm. big deal. And as soon as you decide as a TO, we're going to make victory points, you know, a part of the tiebreakers, just so you know, you're, you have changed your tournament into a tie into a victory point style tournament. It's, it's something that people are going to try and metagame because think about it. You're, you're functionally adding a victory condition to the game, right? You're like adding a tertiary condition. Um, so just like any other victory condition, people are going to want to explore it. They're, they're gamers. They want to explore victory conditions. I don't think it... You guys have kind of put a negative side to people who who want to game this, or they're, they're like they're like they're like they have big chips on their shoulders, or they they hate they have no ego and they can't manage loss. I I, I actually think it's I think it's something totally valid. If you are if you set up a game system and part of that game system has a component that you can game against you you should feel perfectly validated in trying to create advantage there. Hmm. Um, so, Parker, would you say so, that I am a quote-unquote gamer who will take advantage of seams in rule sets and uh, model interactions? Well, well the one you... The, the, my first word I used to describe you before you were a member of this podcast was degenerate, uh -oh. and I appreciated sure. how much you, of a degenerate you were. So yes, I would say that's true. Okay, uh, Voting you onto the podcast was a two-to-one vote. I just want you to know that. <laughs> Fair enough. Uh, having said that, I have never once in my entire gaming career tried to game around the tiebreaker system anyone has used. In any game? Any game. Even Blood Bowl? Correct. I go what's into the, every fucking tournament in Blood Bowl? trying what's to the win. Tiebreaker in Blood Bowl? Period dot. I will build my roster in any game well, yeah, to that's win. That's goal one. No, no, no. That is goal oh, one, two, well, three, no, four, five, on. six, no, seven, no, eight, no, nine, no. ten. No, 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 no. Your goal is not to win every tournament you go to. Don't even fucking try Okay, that. it's either Mr. to win... I've played all of the factions in Blood Bowl. <laughs> to win or just have fun, Don't right? Don't even start that. But yeah. I will never try to take solace in losing, but then doing as well as I can. Like So what you're F saying that. is your goal is either first or last. No. It is to do... It so my like goal is, first or last. is to win as many games in a given game system at whatever tournament I'm going to. Period. Dot. That's either like a four and a four game tournament. Great. If I win three, I went three and one. I don't give two shits if I went three and one and came in second or three and one and came in eighth. I, okay. I don't know. That's well, probably just me because you guys are saying like this is super important. I just want to point out that I'm a hardcore gamer who doesn't give a shit about tiebreakers. Well, I'll say I think this. less of you. Well, you I would... think less of me. <laughs> <laughs> it's, I will say it's very small. That's 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 a, a, a small dick talk right there. Yeah. Well, Aaron, <laughs> yeah. I I will say that in the in the situation that uh, which I'm imagining you're you're portraying, which is you play, you know, you you go to your tournament, you play six rounds, you didn't win all your games, so you came in something beyond first, and that was very satisfying to you. I'm actually talking more about the scenario where top eight goes to Sundays tournament right where top 16 goes to the next tournament 
and those are determined by by some sort of tiebreaker. That's that's the metagame I'm talking about that you create as soon as you say yes. we are going to determine which of the four and you know which of the four and twos will go to the next day of tournament by this tiebreaker. I there I I think you have you created a, another game. You created a game within the game because people are then going to go okay well if I don't go if I go four and two I will be incentivized to have a strategy for how I made myself a better four and two than the next guy. Mm-hmm. Now, if you're the, I, I, I could totally see how you're the kind of person who you say, I went four and two. I don't deserve to play tomorrow. If I get to play tomorrow, fine, but I don't deserve to, cause I didn't. Four and threes are playing. Sure. <laughs> so if that's your stance, but in my, I'm talking specifically about the, the two day tournament yeah. or the top cut tournament. That's, that's what I'm talking about. I would think about that tie break going into my sixth game. Last game of the day. I thought you would never do it. I would never build a list <laughs> around it. I would never consider it well, as not. what models to take or what strategy to use. Um, now, so to clarify, honestly, if what on. Parker just said, like, you're going to last round. Um, you know, it's coming down to, like, 30 minutes left in the game, and you're definitely going to lose. Okay, now maybe I'll think about... Honestly, at that point, I think I'm, I would actually think about it a little bit if there was if there was something else to play for, like uh, a spot in the next day or something. I'll say you, you you went to War Machine Weekends like Invitational, like right, like you were the all of those qualifying events you went to. You never once even learned the the tiebreaker rules for War Machine on how you place. That never happened. I am aware of the tiebreaker rules and how they are executed. That has had no impact ever on how I have played a War Machine game in my life. Okay. Yeah, so that's 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 the opposite Don't of my need experience. It. Because Don't I need it. We talked. I mean, I remember between every round of a Star Wars game, the first question you ask was "win or loss." And then you go, "Okay," and maybe you ask a few questions to clarify how how the won or lost. And then you said, "How many victory points did you give up?" And you say, "Well, I was playing this strategy, so I only gave up. I lost, but I only gave up, you know, this many victory points." And so there's, and so a lot of people would come up to you after round three and go, well, I better win out because my victory mm-hmm. points have been screwed already. My strategy didn't work. Yeah. And so I, even if I go four and two, I can't win. So I have to go five and one. I have to go six and oh. And so like, that is, that is something that people, it was a, it was a constant metagame conversation at the tournament. And it was, it happened after round how much two. money, how much money did people take home from this? I'm not oh guys they were interested in going to the top 16. That's all I, I don't know why in. you guys keep like yeah. like this, yeah, this is, is a this, very this is a very normal thing. prevalent thing in gaming in general. And I understand that Aaron is young to gaming. Yeah. I get that. Cuz he wasn't elite, he wasn't allowed to play games until he retired. But and Jeremy over there, Jeremy's never won anything worth anything. So he doesn't even know what tiebreakers are. So I think if you guys want to be mean about it, like we could do that. I, I don't, but the, the point I don't think, is, I don't think in this game, sp- the reason I think it's important to have this conversation is because specifically in this game, it matters so much more because in War Machine, the only goal in War Machine was to get five victory points. That was it. Yep. Like, it was like, I win by five. That's all that matters. And so, like, that's the victory condition of the game because against competent opponents, they won't let you get the other one because which is killed their leader. And so if I have to win by five and the tiebreaker is score the most points, well, obviously it doesn't matter because there's only one goal. In this game, you can win games by tabling people. 
it is a legal option. You can actually table them. In War Machine, that never really happened unless your opponent was doing some weird thing that didn't work out. And so, because if there's multiple strategy, fighting list or attrition list or score points, like if it, the, the tiebreaker will dramatically affect where you end up placing. And as these larger events keep happening, we're probably going to see a master style event, which is those you know, top eight of this tournament get invited to this thing. In fact, I've already seen a couple of them posted where it's like, based on how you do in this event, you get invited to the finals. Or like they cut to top four or top eight, which is a common thing in card game tournaments because they have enough attendees to justify those systems. In MCP, we haven't really gotten there yet. And which is totally fine. It's just it's just where we're going. And I think that's why it's important to talk about this. If you're going to Adepticon next year, and the tournament is cut to top 16, and you need to be in the top 16, you need to know the formula to get in. And you need to know how to score to get in the top 16. Because if there's 24 and 2s, how do you get it? For example, this year. It was top um, 16 this year, wasn't it? And there was two un- there was two X and 1s that got into the top 16 at Adepticon? Uh, X... They went the top eight. It was X, uh, X, O, and one. Right, they're X, O, and one. So there were undefeated people that didn't make the top eight. Yep. At Adepticon, based on tiebreakers. Can you imagine how annoying it would have been to be like I was undefeated and didn't make top cuts? Uh, yes, I can imagine that. Yes, and so knowing that in advance would be important because you might avoid that situation. But anyway, that's why I think it's important to talk about. Oh, and I, I and I will defend that anybody who ever thought uh, I'll I'll make sure to have a strategy into this tournament to see if I can win tiebreakers. Um, if you thought about it just so you could be you know third place out of eight people, then yeah, you're you're probably get, you know trying to stroke an ego. But if you are if you're trying to get top 16 at a 85 person tournament, you're probably mm-hmm. just a gamer. You're probably just playing a, a game within the game. And that's, that mm-hmm. happens all the time. You should feel perfectly validated to do so. I mean, there's no question in this game already, there's a better strategy. Scoring points is always going to be better than trying to fight people off a table. And so your list has to be so incredibly fighty to even justify that, that it's, it's not even close. So yeah, it just be aware that if they're going to continue to use tiebreaker systems that reward one style of play, just be ready to embrace that style of play. Which is why I don't like ones that embrace certain styles of play, because I don't like being forced into certain affiliations. All right. That turned into a very strange conversation I didn't expect. Oh, I think it was a good. I think it was a good one. I think I think we hit upon. I think we, I think we, we all upon, had a lot of good points. I also think we hit upon like a difference in philosophy that that. Uh, yeah, that I did not had. expect that at all. Yeah. Okay, Parker. Next week's topic, just so you're aware, is uh, STDs. Good grief. <laughs> uh, okay. <laughs> Do your homework. Okay. Super tough dudes. <laughs> yes. That's an odd topic. Super tough dudes. <laughs> what 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 else does it stand for? Should I just do a Google image search? Well, yes. No. Safe search off. <laughs> All right. Well, we better get out of here because uh, I think Jeremy fell, fell asleep like four times. 
That was this me. is a hundred percent Parker's fault. It's me having many strokes. Thanks. Parker rambled so long. Uh, listen, he's concise. What was the he's word concise. you said? Efficient. Efficient. No, efficient. Efficient. I, actually, I did not say that. Uh, <laughs> I tried to describe others as efficient. Oh. Well, at first it was the inclusive we, and then it was the royal we. Yeah. <laughs> it, was, it was like, not me. I've decided I, I was born a rambling man. I just got to stick it up. I just mm. got to stick with it. Mm. Okay. Uh, well, that's going to do it for us this week. Uh, hopefully you guys enjoyed our rambles. Uh, stay tuned for a very long uh, pre-ramble. This has been Brandon. And Parker. And Jeremy. And Aaron. And remember... You're either first or last. In Diablo 4. We did it. Not only did we do it, we did it so fast and so clean. It's perfect. I just want to point out, I don't always belch after the start on purpose. It's just a natural effect of me drinking soda and then doing the 15 second intro. And then at that point I need to breathe and that's when I burp. Mm -hmm. So you're saying you're Jeremy, are you watching wrestling? No. I'm leaving. I'm leaving game right now. I have to leave it. Mm -hmm. Leave. Hit square. Done. Now I'm just going to look at this girl standing, staring at me. It's fucking creepy. Mm -hmm. Okay. Whose fault is that? Okay, so speaking of Always Sunny reference, uh, I finally got to Lethal Weapon uh, 7. Um, uh, okay. Yeah, because yeah, Lethal Weapon 7. Okay, yeah. that's, that is the, as far as I know, that's the first reference. That's the PC one. Yes, right? yes. Okay. So where was 5 and 6? Did I miss an episode or something? Or did it never happen? It actually happened early in this series. It was early, earlier in the series by a long shot. Okay, something happened. So the, I, as soon as they got to that, I was like, what's going on? What is five and six? And I just thought it was, they were actually dropping in as if I was supposed to know that they made five and six. I didn't know it was a callback. I must have somehow, I fell asleep like a few times watching the series. I think I may have missed an episode. I'm not kidding. It makes me really. It's definitely not one episode. It's multiple episodes. How did I miss the Lethal Weapon episode? So, it, it, uh, it, it, I, so Lethal Weapon Five is when uh, they go to work at the high school. Charlie and D, and um, D or Charlie becomes the janitor. D tries to become the um, the acting teacher. Yes, I watched. And, yes, I yeah. watched that one. So they show their movie Lethal Weapon Five to the kids. As an example oh. of when blackface is appropriate. Oh, that's right. Okay. Yeah. So it's not – they don't have full episodes devoted to the making then, of films. Then okay. on Lethal Weapon 6, they make the movie in the show. Mm, that one I don't remember. Okay. The game makes Lethal Weapon 6. But the episode is they're making Lethal Weapon 6. Yeah. And then they, they're trying to give – to get a loan for the movie because Frank – won't pay for it unless he gets to have hardcore on film. That's right. Okay, so it says season nine, episode nine. I must have somehow missed it. I I would fall asleep enough times while I was like while I'm watching the series. It's often like late at night, like I was falling asleep. Mm -hmm. And when it happens, Hulu just keeps playing, right? And so I have to go yeah. back and find the episode. I must have found the wrong episode once and missed yeah. it. Um, so I'll have to go back and find Lethal Weapon 6. Or he's just lying about how much of it he's watched, which uh, seems more likely. I'm on, I'm on season 15, 
whatever episode the, that. The, well, it's easy to get is. season fifteen when you just skip from one to fifteen. <sighs> I uh, am a little nervous. I'm actually going to have to go back now and go through every single like episode to make sure I didn't miss another one that I missed. However, um, *Lethal Weapon* seven. I don't think I've ever laughed like that hard for months. And the the moment I laughed at was the first moment that uh, the pimp uh, playing Murtog yeah. <laughs> shows up to the shows up to the the, 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 the birthday party. And, Pepper Jack, yeah, Pepper Jack, that's his name. And Pepper Jack, he shows up to the birthday party. He goes, he goes, he says, "I'm sorry, I wasn't here for you." You know what? You go ahead and go on, little bitch. <laughs> For some reason, and every time, every time he call, talks to a woman, he refers to her as a bitch or a hoe. And every time, the, it it quick cuts to Dee's face, but she's playing she's playing rigs, and so her eyes just get wide. And she doesn't know, how, and she's not like breaking the rigs character, but she's obviously reacting to this man or this horrible person. He keeps referring to every female as a hoe, as a or a bitch. And she, her eyes just get really big. And her reaction to the pimp's like very candid like way that he addresses every female is it was so funny. I was just laughing my ass off. I was laughing so hard. That that is like 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 a perfect distillation of Always Sunny, right? It's the mm. absolute absurdity of something real and somebody there for you to watch how absurd it is and like mm. be there with them. And oh my gosh, it was perfect. It, they do a really good job of walking right up to the line of where this is a real person. Like the worst, worst, worst people on the planet act uh-huh. like this and they take one more step. Right. <laughs> they just go one step over the line. They go, this is what we're doing. But they, but they, they always put another person in the situation for us to realize how silly and like how ridiculous it is, right? Like yeah. someone is always playing the straight man in uh-huh. the scene. Somebody, and that even if it's one of the psychotic people in the show, right? Oh, and man, Jesus. which is why they're all like just differently crazy, right? Oh man, it works really well, but D- because there's they're always like, no, you're an idiot, and they just oh. the, like the other person is bad in this situation. Oh, man, that her face that whole time he's talking to that doll. <laughs> Did you get to the um, oh, man. the sexual harassment course that they go to? Did you get to that one? Yeah, that was season fourteen, I think. Or yeah, yeah, was, it, I thought really... you had. That's a great one. Yeah, this, there's uh, so many times in there that they're just like, "Why are you here and yeah. not in prison?" Oh yeah, you should be in prison. The way they address the seminar runners, like it's awesome, uh, and the payoff at the end, uh, like Dennis's monologue at the end. Oh, it's it's perfect. Like there are so many. That the show is the show is fantastic, and I have loved every single minute of it. But I was laughing so hard uh, at the at the very opening scene of *Lethal Weapon* seven as they were filming it. It was just it was just fantastic. Um, I, I was laughing so hard I almost called you and just and the first thing I was going to say was his line from *Lethal Weapon* seven mm-hmm. just to see if you would get it immediately because it's a real like it's not like particularly notable it's just the way he said it and d's reaction oh my god it was wonderful yeah it was um, the best did you get to the thunder gun episode oh my not, god not the first one the no, second one the thunder gun episode was amazing that was mm-hmm. one of the best i love i love like uh 
homage like homages i love like the concept of an homage and like i love how that that episode knew exactly what it was doing the entire time it was a very smart episode i liked it it was a great critique of uh critique of like modern moviegoers we it's funny we just Mm -hmm. talked about like like cinema right theaters yeah 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 at the end of the, the end of cinema the beginning of cinema like what does it mean and uh the always sunny like group for people oh. that haven't seen the episode this isn't really a spoiler so the opening scene is um the gang is at a mall and they get asked to watch a movie and give a review of it and the movie they get convinced they get they end up agreeing to doing i can't remember what it's for they get like a free slurpee or something like something silly that but they're like oh i'm getting that free slurpee so they go sit down to watch this movie at the mall and um it's uh, Thunder Gun Express 3, I think it is, whatever, the new Thunder Gun. And so they all freak out. They watch the movie, and then they hate it. So they try and give it a bad review, and then they're like, well, how often do you go to the movies? Like, oh, we don't pay for movies. Like, right. and it's like, they're the oh. worst people. The funny thing is, that that revelation happens, like, maybe 20 minutes in, into it, where they're so opinionated, and and they're so sure that they're... they're the thing they love, the, the the cinematic experience that they've come to appreciate their whole lives is coming to an end, and and she's like, but so the 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 person who's taking their notes, the note, she's just a note taker, like an assistant, you know, mm-hmm. uh, person, says like, well, you know why the studio is doing this, going to a totally different direction, is because they have to go to PG thirteen to open up to a wider audience because young people are the only people going to movies right now, and they're just they have to be able to to appeal to more people and more diverse markets, and they're like. It's like no, no, no. We'll go see it. We'll go see it if you make it the old way. They said, "Well, when? How did you see the last movies?" And they're like, "Oh, we we stole it." Mm-hmm. <laughs> and it's like, "No, no, we didn't steal it. We didn't steal. It. We went to a website. Well, the website's called westealmovies.com. dot com." It's like, "No, yeah. no, no. no. It was the or other like, one. Pirate, like, pirate, pirate, pirate movies, movie pirate dot com slash r. Yeah, like it's just the stupidest crap. And there's like that's stealing. Oh, we and then they. They basically start this internet backlash where the fans of the movie franchise mm-hmm. go on the internet and complain about the movie until eventually they put it back to the original style. Mm-hmm. And then the, they read in the newspaper it bombs at the box office. They're like, oops. Well, yeah, so, yeah, they, <laughs> Did that come out? We totally forgot. They leaked the movie because uh, Frank recorded the whole thing. And when it gets yeah. leaked, the internet poo-poos it because it's a different direction. And, and everybody boycotts it basically before it even comes out they never film that they never air that movie they air the next movie which is like return to the roots of of thunder gun and the gang is sitting there like hey apparently this is going to be totally different than the one we screened oh yeah yeah we should or we can know you just watch it at www.piratemovie.r it's like yeah let's just do that and so they (laughs) so of course the whole point is they worked Mm. they worked to undermine this movie and yet they still don't actually patronize it yeah and and just continue to ruin the franchise as bad patrons yeah it's it is absolutely it was great perfect perfect tone no notes let me know when you get to the finale of 15 because i want to know what you think okay oh also uh 2020 a year in review oh that was fantastic you're Uh, close it's it's a short season yeah 2020 a year in review oh man that that just made me so happy
that the whole like wait a minute you weren't in every single major event in 2020 you uh, made yeah, we the were. weird bird hat things <laughs> that the guys yeah. at the capitol were wearing it's like, like it's like you were at every single major you like, you know he's you were not in every single event well why not because you're not forrest gump <laughs> like that line because you're not mm-hmm. forrest gump he they basically just do like a if forrest gump was a terrible story about terrible people yeah. <laughs> who ruined things oh and the end, I, I actually, I belly laughed hard. The whole, the whole episode was fun, like a grin. I had a grin my whole episode. And the, and the very end, which is like, I guess like a, what do they call it? like a, like a, it's not really a stinger, but it just shows them, in no words, it just shows them in the scene, uh, because you know, in Forrest Gump, they have the thing where they superimposed Tom Hanks into famous scenes, mm-hmm. and so they just did exactly the same thing by f- superimposing the gang into some of the footage from 2020. <laughs> And, mm-hmm. and the, the one where they're where they're banging on the voting the polling places, like mm-hmm. saying that they stole the vote. And there's like and, turning and, around, yeah. like, uh oh. Did this Guys, I think we might have caused some confusion here. <laughs> vote here, vote here, vote Is here. Is it Rocky or McNabb? <laughs> Rocky. Such a Rocky, Rocky situation. Vote here, Rocky or McNabb. <laughs> Yeah, and apparently they thought it was like the actual presidential election polling places. I don't know. Really oh weird. my gosh, that was oh, the, there were Rocky or Big Dab, the most stupid, stupid argument. <laughs> like, it's, but it's perfectly right. sunny, right? It fits perfectly in their ethos. Yeah, exactly. That was a good one. And to try and sway people, they start singing songs. Yeah, they say singing songs, and, and and all the songs are about where to where to drop your votes, mm-hmm. but they don't see what okay. they're voting for. Oh, it's so good. All right, we have to get to our next topic. Diablo 4. Aaron. Yes. We, we need an Aaron trash scale for Diablo 4. Ooh, an Aaron trash scale for Diablo 4. Uh, keeping it real uh, on the negative 10 to positive 10 scale, we're going to go with uh, 7.5. Ooh. It is a good game uh, with, uh, I believe, room to grow. Well, I think I'm the most experienced person here when it comes to Diablo 4, and since I'm level 18. So, I can tell you for a fact that uh, there are multiple places in Zone 1. There are some dungeon-y type things, I I think that's what they're called. They are. And um, Wall of Fire is a good spell, but it's almost as good as Flame Hydra. Mm. Uh, I I want Fireball to be good, but I don't think it is. I really want it to be good, though. So... To follow all of this, um, as an expert as well, uh, with a level 17 character. Oh, uh, yeah. I mean, also expert. Well, I only hit 18 right before we started. Oh, okay. So, like, so I haven't even I'm, used my new skill point yet. I'm right there. I mean, we're yeah, obviously we're basically experts. Um, it's 1A, 1B kind of situation. Absolutely. My, my boys were saying over and over, so Diablo came out when? And I'm like, you know, a million years ago. And that one was like what? And I said, it was like this. And they said, so what did you do in that one? And I said, this. And I they walked said, from point A to point this B. This one is different than that one. So the second one, was, how? what did you do in it? And I said, this. And they said, what did you do in the third one? I said, this. And they said, the graphics are better? And I said, kinda. And they said, not a lot? And I'm like, not not really. I mean... <laughs> not so, yeah, somewhat. I mean, it's, it's a good game. And like Garen says, like, I... As fun factor goes and what I want from a game, I think it's amazing from what I want from a game. Like, 
it's fun. A, I fucking dive in. I can let it go at any time. Just put it yeah. down. I'm fucking like, it, you know, and it'll beat your ass for a while. And you're like, let me switch my weapons around and kind of look at this thing a little differently and, and fucking leave it. And then come back to it and, you know, look at some gold items and some things. You hear some clinky sounds and you go, ooh, something fell. You know, you get excited for a second, but then you go to work. And who gives a shit? Like, from I what love I've, that. Yeah, what I've already experienced from Diablo 4 is I already think it's a better game than 3. And that's just with the small amount of the game I've experienced. Because seems... my problem with Diablo 3, beyond, like, its issues at launch, like, it was just a very, like, flat game. There was not a lot of variety of things you could do. And I understand it's still Diablo. You're still doing the same shit. It's just spamming yeah. combat. It's, it's like Gauntlet, right? But it's so much more interesting when you're not just walking in the same three places over and over again. Like Correct. there's little like tiny that. narrative events. Like there's like, I can go do stuff and like, it matters a little bit more than me just killing random mobs out in the wild. And so I, I've been liking it more already. And the diverse maps have been better. Uh, the only... I didn't like how on rails Diablo three felt. It's like yeah. once you finish the story mode, which you have to play through mm-hmm. 11 times, and then when you get to the end, you're like, now what? Now you just go into this endless dungeon called a rift and kill things on an endless map, basically. And I'm like, yeah. oh, well, that's it. Like, there's nothing else to do. So it's just like infinite gear grinding. I'm like, that's entertaining for like an hour, but then you get bored. The only thing I will say about it, and the thing that where it makes me say it's samey samey with most of the other ones, is once you kind of dive in and you're in the middle of a, a zone or whatever, and it has that Michael Bay Transformers movie effect where everything's a foot and a hand and a face and a weapon and a bullet. Like, who knows what's fucking happening? You're just swinging and like, I, like it's just a mess. A mess of yeah. shit is happening and flying. And I just wish it felt a little cleaner at times because you can't just like see. Like, I, I, I can't tell what the fuck's happening half the time. Well, uh, probably, so when you do the gamma adjustment at the very beginning, yeah. you should cheat. You should turn it up higher. No, I, I you just I, won't be able to see anything. Yeah, I turned it up a bit, and it, it's a yeah. little better, but it's still kind of a shit show halfway. You the, know, I'm, it just is. Yeah. I hate the mobs that spawn in from, like, being ethereal, and so there's kind of like, a, like they yeah. just fade in in the middle of the screen. Mm-hmm. I hate those mobs. Because they're just annoying. It's because I don't even register them until they get a health bar, basically, because there's so much shit going on on the screen. Yeah. And so it was like, all of a sudden, there's people standing next to me. I'm like, what the fuck's going on? Like, where'd you come from? And so like, I think I'm missing people that I've just walked past, but really they're just spawning on top of me. It's just annoying. I fucking hate those guys. I, I was glad to see, because, I mean, they made <clears throat> at least these levels very like you're kind of a god amongst mortals right like you're walking around just kind of like destroying shit and i was kind of like okay i have it in the hardest mode i can have it and i'm kind of destroying the earth and i'm like okay i remember how this game generally works it's generally not this easy and then i got to one of the first bosses who flattens me i'm like okay (laughs) okay whoa 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 okay okay yeah so and then i'm like okay this is how it works the little normal mobs you're fine and you get to like practice yeah and then the actual bosses the, you got to figure out. Okay, I got it. Yeah, the a lot of it is also too just like it's it's at any moment shit can go sideways, yeah. right? Because you don't know when some elite thing is going to spawn and shit yeah. on you, and the, so you have to like the be mega cautious. green elite. Yeah, 
Yeah, be cautious. It's, it's like an anime fight, right? You never go hard all in until you know what's going on. And so you just like DBZ slowly turn up the temperature over time. Mm-hmm. And, you're just like, and then something big drops out and you just throw all your cooldowns at it. And you're like, go away. Yeah, but it is fun. I mean, I'm going to give it that. Mm-hmm. Like, I'll give it a 10 out of 10 for fun scale. As for games and beautiful and stuff, I, I mean, for me, one of the most beautiful games and most fun games, like they've made. I think World of Warcraft is just a beautiful, fun game to look at. I think it, it all the everything just seems so much cleaner and crisper than this. But that's just my opinion. I mean, I mean, it's supposed to look like a cartoon. Yeah, so it's going to be brighter. Yeah, it just does. It just I don't know. It's a different art style that is. To me, I, I can see what the fuck's going on. And this, I can't. It's also weird that you don't... They're like, you know what? Everyone's used to using a camera. Fuck that shit. You don't get a camera in this game. We're going old-timey. You get no camera. You go where we say you look. You look where we, we say you look. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Which is so weird. Games don't do that anymore. Like you yeah, get, There's not a lot of top-downs anymore. Well, yeah. And if there mm-hmm. is a top-down, mostly you get some sort of control. You don't get mm-hmm. none. Like can't look around i didn't think about that but i had zero issues or complaints no i all it did is it made me feel a little bit and the thing is we're in dungeons right most of the time yep. so if you're going to feel cramped which it does make you feel a bit cramped because you can't turn you can't look so that was one effect that it does create is that whole sense of like you can't look at your environment 100 percent. you're kind of stuck yeah and sure. as an Elder Ring player, you know, like, I'm used to be able to look at everything all the time and worry about mm-hmm. everything. This game doesn't have that same effect. Like, you just blow the shit out of it, whatever. It's, like, all over the place. It's just different. It's also nice not to have to worry about auto-dying every second of every move you make. So, if there's one concern I have, so I just I just beat the, the campaign right before we yep. started this cast. Um I ended up dying like three times in my mid-30s. Uh, I ended up level 47. And I just basically face-tanked the end boss that was fucking easy as hell. Just a little uh-huh. disconcerting. So when I think back to Diablo 3, I want to say bosses were both a skill and a gear check. So there was a mechanic that the boss had. Like, we're going to telegraph this, and then we're going to do that thing I telegraphed. Uh, and then you kind of had to memorize, okay, big smash, followed by AoE, followed by they disappear. Yeah. They do that six times. If they get to seven, they just fucking own you because you took too long to kill them. Something like that, uh, which I I actually like because you have to learn the fight. Um, so there's the mechanics involved. Uh, and, and then there's the gear check that you can't just take five, five years to do this no matter how good your mechanics are. Yeah. Um, I, I don't have a sense that that's where this game's at right now. And I think you said a little bit of like, who the fuck knows what's going on? Like I'm playing a whirlwind barbarian. I'm just like, I'm just spinning. I'm spinning. Oh, my health low. I guess I should move away. Well, I guess I can move back now. So I, that might be something that they end up like patching later because I, I wonder if they were, were worried putting this out, you know, if they're trying to scale it with where you're at, that's kind of odd. Like it should be scaled to where you know because this is the first time they've done like an open world yeah they never have scaled it in this way no, they're you, probably you, afraid of of fucking the game up well you cannot go to an easy area that's what they've done like the level yeah. the area will always be your level so if you just need to yeah. like i want to go practice my build on some easy guys like that doesn't exist as far as i know mm-hmm. 
Um, what I, uh, yeah, the, yeah. I'm going to say the little horde bats or whatever you walk out of town. You're like, oh, they're just little horde bats. No big deal. And you're like, oh, fuck. Jesus Christ. <laughs> <laughs> now, what I will say is uh, mounts. Uh, fuck yeah. <laughs> you don't know how bad you missed something in Diablo for three games until you have it all of a sudden. I, I need to yeah. get a mount. I, I haven't found out how to do that yet. Uh, it's the first you... the first campaign or first mission of Act 4 gets you your mount. Yeah. It's like halfway through the campaign, I think. Yep. But you can uh, you can use your mount to bowl enemies over. So mm-hmm. like most games I'm used to is like if you get hit while you're in your mount, you're automatically dismounted. This has a, you, you for lack of a better term, that your mount has a health bar, and so if they take a lot of damage, then they dismount you. But otherwise, you can sprint like right through mobs and watch them get bowled over, and then you can do some weird like gymnastics dismount into a flying crash into the, you know, enemies if you want to set it up that way. So, Mm. uh, some pretty cool stuff as well as, uh, really getting around, uh, this huge open map a lot easier. So that was a cool addition. Yeah, I think they took, I mean, these games obviously look at other games and and they get smarter every time. Like you say, uh, it does feel a bit Skyrim-y. It feels, um, I, I think some of these humongous games, uh, I mean, Skyrim ended up grabbing a horse, and I think they stole the horse from Zelda. Like, there's tons of games, and they all kind of figure out how to do it. You don't have to necessarily just use portals, right? Like, mm-hmm. what's the better way to do it? Um, but yeah, I think they got they've got something here. This is a fun one that'll probably last for a long time. I hope. Yeah, I'm looking forward to uh, once I get done with the campaign, just taking my time to do all of the. I'm guessing hundreds of hours of, of side content and not looking up um, yep. like guides. Like there's these things yeah. called Altars of Lilith, which if you've played the first 10 levels, you probably found one. Yeah. Yep. I think there's 130 of them, and they all give you a bonus across every character you have. Really? Yeah. Like plus two to strength, plus you know extra nice. uh, passive slot, something to that effect. So you There's really a lot of global stats you can get in the yeah, game. Yeah, you really want to find all of the altars. Uh, newsflash, you can go find a map that people have already put out that has them all. Or Jesus you could spend a thousand fucking hours and try because they are in the most obscure locations, right? Like they're not yeah, sitting just out on the road. Explore the map. Yeah. So so my I have a little goal as well. My because uh, my boys will want to play it with me, so I have to build each character up a little bit. That way they have characters to play with me. <laughs> because <laughs> on playstation you have to get them past the prologue to oh. be able to map join you because i don't yeah they have to be able to join on the same system instead of like it, you might be able to join me with a character you just build on say your xbox on my playstation but if it's on the same um if a player two joins me they have to actually be through the prologue which is kind of mm-hmm. weird but uh, so I, I have a question. Yeah. I have a question. Um, my favorite way to play Diablo, at least the previous Diablo, and this is probably more a feature of the way the Diablo was. And you guys already talked about how much it was on rails, or rather, I, not so much rails, but fenders. You know, there's just you bumped across the edges of the map instantly, and so you're mostly you're pushed forward into the next mob of guys. Um, I enjoyed Diablo once I got past the campaign. Um, I like cutscenes, but once I got once I saw the cutscenes, which I could have done on YouTube, I was ready to just play the end game, and so I think I would have battled a very sublime way. 
which was I waited till everyone I knew got max level characters and then I sat in the center of a dungeon room while they killed guys and I and I leveled up all the way to max level by just watching but I just sat next to them as they played the game I leveled all the way up to the maximum level had all the skills and then I went and found some gear myself and started playing the end game but it sounds like that's not possible in this version of the game because if you join somebody else's game the people they're defeating are at your level so there's no such thing as power leveling in this version you can power level it's just not the same thing like you can still join super hard content level up way faster than you normally would it's not gonna be in like one run or anything but oh yeah it wasn't one run back then either yeah. but the, that's but so if i join if i join aaron's game the characters that aaron's the care i'm getting experience for characters that aaron's killing or yeah, you're in a group it's like every probably group the correct amount you should get for right. Level. Except, I, I think, yeah, uh, Jeremy's on the right track. Because the people you play with are different, not, the people in the same instance as you are a different level than you are. If that makes sense. So I'll be running around as level 18, they'll be level 30s in the same area I am. Uh-huh. Well, if they aggro a mob, is that mob level 18 or level 30? It, That's what I'm asking. Yeah. I, it, I think it it's 18 for me and 30 for them. You just think of things in the realm of, like, percentage points. So, like, if the mob is noticeably stronger than you because it's a higher difficulty mob, like, don't think of it as having a level. It's just, it's a high difficulty mob. And so it's still a high difficulty mob to them. It's extremely high difficulty to you. Like, you won't even be able to damage those things. And then when they kill them, you split the XP. Well, I I think you will be able to kill them. I think you would do whatever percent damage you would normally do to a level 18 bear, for instance, and they'll do whatever damage they would do to a level 30 bear, and that's the amount, the percent damage the bear will take, if that makes sense. It, it's not. But, okay. But um, it is... Um, it, so it would be, but you don't have the gear they're going to have. Like, your base damage is still your base damage, but like any Diablo, all of the gear you have is going to multiplicatively increase your strength. Right. And so you just won't have that stuff because you're going to be so underleveled that you can't equip the gear that that's that good. For example. And so, like, I did a dungeon last night with my friend Ryan, and he was one-shotting everything in the dungeon, and I literally could do, like, one single point of damage to them. It was completely worthless. Hmm. I could stand there and unload my full combo on them ten times. I wouldn't see their health bar move. And he's just one-shotting them. That's because he's using multiplicative things between his, his abilities and his items. And they're, they're yeah, he's like level him. 70. Right. Gonna... And so we did one dungeon. It took about five five to eight minutes, and I got like three or four levels out of it. And okay. so we were just like, okay, it works. And then that, we just stopped. That's the kind of lowbrow oh, so shit I'm could, into. He, he was able to do that with you. Okay. Yeah, oh, but we, we couldn't raise the difficulty above difficulty two because I hadn't completed the story mode yet. And so as soon as you complete the story mode, like if you just super speed run the campaign, you remove the difficulty cap, and then you can just super power level. Because you can go into like super high level content, like like high level dungeons and stuff. Okay, that, that answers my question. What do I need to do to get them that lowbrow kind of shit? I'm into, I'm into it. <laughs> I think you'd actually enjoy the campaign, because it's a lot more, it's a lot less, uh, you know, third grade reading level story mode. Like, not that it's super high intellectual or anything, but, mm-hmm. like, 
you're just doing more than following point A to point B and clicking on things. Yeah, I mean, while... the the three cutscenes in the in the last Diablo game were fascinating. Like the Diablo versus the Angel cut, like yeah. fight was awesome. But I the, the the storytelling in those games is so terrible. I had no idea it was about to happen. Like when it happened, I was like, okay, this is awesome. Mm-hmm. But I don't know why this is happening <laughs> because yeah, so you'll probably end up so skipping bad. a lot of the cutscenes. Because <laughs> a lot of the cutscenes in the early games, specifically, are just kind of like random, you know, dialogue. It's like the Witcher level content. You're just like, okay, are you done talking to me yet? Can I go do stuff? Anyway, but like I said, I think it's been enjoyable so far. I've only played for about three hours, but it's been good. I was actually getting quite worried when I loaded it up, and it was like, "Go get to your battle net, duck." I'm like, "What now?" So then I go to, I was like, all right, hold up. That's, okay. that's big danger time. Cause they want Jeremy to know a login, which is uh, whoa, whoa, already whoa. asking I had, too much. No, listen, yeah. I had Battle.net on an old timey hotmail account mm-hmm. and they needed the hotmail account and also my old timey password. And I was like, of all the things that dementia has taken from me. Yeah. Uh, that was not one of them. So I clicked that fucker in there, and it worked perfectly. I was like, yeah! I dove right in. Oh, my God. But it, I was like, really? So I got on the battle net, and I was like, oh, my God. I, I can't believe I remember that fucking thing. Because so I thought, okay, cool, that's fine. I'll just be able to... Because I knew I needed to be online for this stupid thing. But I figured it would be some sort of... Uh, Did you play Diablo 3? Yeah, but when it very first... It was Battle.net? Yeah. Yeah, 10 years ago. Okay. Ele- 11, because it was when my... Was it... No. It was a while ago. It was like almost 10. Yeah, it was. I think it was actually just over 10. Yeah, because my kids were born right, right around then. Um, yeah. So yeah, I snapped that code in there and was like, that was back in the day when I probably had a fucking Hotmail account. <clears throat> um so yeah that scared me to death i was like really i downloaded this game i'm not gonna be able to figure this out well you i think i guess you could have done it on the website but you have to log into battle.net to buy the game anyway uh nope not on playstation oh, no, 5 you did on console yeah you're i already had it <laughs> you're weird i had a game that was then forcing me to do some other thing that didn't seem like i was going to be able to do it easily and then Jeremy gets enraged and starts, like, deleting things. And I always forget that you don't, like, own a computer because you're afraid of them. I don't own a computer out of spite. Fear. Wait, I have one. Fear, fear is spite. Fear is the mind killer. I thought it was aspartame. Aspartame is, for me, the GI killer. <laughs> the GI killer. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, speaking of things, also things that are fucking amazing. Uh, I had to yell at everyone at work because my child texted me from his fucking his tiny, tiny little wrist phone he has, his little Dick Tracy phone that we had to buy for my boys, so they have some sort of access to their their parents. Uh, Dad, uh, Spider Verse is out. Are we going to go tonight? And nobody at my work had told me or reminded me that it was out. Them sons of bitches 
So Sunday, we went and saw Spider-Verse, and my God in heaven, that's the fucking best movie I've seen in a very long time. I haven't seen it yet. Don't, uh, Do you I mean, also have not you seen haven't it. seen either? No spoiler, please. He saw the first one. Oh, okay. Well, there's no spoilers. I'm not spoiling anything. I'm just telling you. Okay. Fucking go. Like, it's... By the far. first one was hyped up so high for me that when I watched it, I was just like, eh. Like, I, I didn't like it that much because it was so overblown. But uh, it was good. Uh, I'd even say it's a fucking phenomenal soundtrack. The first one. Uh, as well as the yeah. second one. Uh, the first one didn't get any hype as far as I was concerned. Like, I was like, eh, it looks cool. I don't know. It was like two solid weeks and everyone told me it was the greatest Marvel movie to ever be released. That was like, that's what, yeah, I saw it opening night. So like, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Jeremy, it snuck up on you and me. Like I saw it like, what's this movie? And then I watched it. I was like, oh my gosh, this is amazing. But Jeremy got to hear it. Not Jeremy. Brandon, you got to hear it like in stereo for three weeks by every Yeah, I was at the game store. Right. You work at the worst place to learn about that kind of thing. <laughs> mm-hmm. You need you need to not be there when something good comes out because you're like, oh no. Something good is about to be ruined. That's why I usually watch movies I care about the, the day they come out. Uh, yeah, I, I hear... I, I, I get it. I uh, I actually tried to get my daughter... She's By the way, my daughter's a huge Spider-Man fan. I tried to watch Into the Spider-Verse a long time ago with her. And I said, when did it come out? Three years ago? Four years ago? And... Six. Six, no, six years ago? Six. It's been a bit. Wow, okay. Well, I think I tried to watch it with her like three or four years ago. So she would have been five, I think. And I was like, I think she could handle this. And the Prowler freaked her out. Mm-hmm. Like the sounds and the, the action sequences, like it overwhelmed her. And she she's like, no, she, like eh, she like hid from it. And so I was like, it's been, you know, three or four years. Maybe this is worn off. And I was like, you know, I wanted you to watch this movie, but now it's not being streamed on anything. I have to buy it, I guess. Um, it really surprised me, actually. It wasn't on Disney+, Plus, wasn't on anything. But in order to get her enticed again, I just showed her the, the What's Up Danger scene. Like, the, the iconic mm. scene where he decides to like put on the so mask good. and be Spider-Man. Um, and she, she's like, eh, I don't know. Eh, it's Spider-Man. Eh, I don't know. I was like, you know what? Just just watch this scene. Just watch it. And I, after about a minute and a half, and he starts like when he's falling off the roof, and I just look, I look over at her face, and she's just like, in it. I'm just like, yeah, yeah this is. It's just this a is movie a for you to be yeah. like excited and edge of the seat and happy mm-hmm. the entire movie. Yeah. So she's in. Now I just got to find a way to watch it that I can. That I'm going to. Uh, bring her i don't i don't even have to try with my youngest she's so she loves ghost spider so much like uh spidey and spidey spidey and his amazing friends is how she got introduced to ghost spider and it doesn't matter what it is if ghost spider's in it she to she will look at it she's read all of my ghost spider comics like five times she doesn't read them she just looks at all the pictures but she just like pours over them she loves everything so as soon as i tell her she's in it that she's going to be very happy mm-hmm. but um, I'm gonna have to I, now that I convinced the oldest. Now I gotta find a copy of it. I don't. I guess I'm going to buy it. Which again, I'm not that mad about. I'll just buy it. But now I have to save up for Diablo. Also, so many things. Yeah, my boys were like, "You bought that?" I was like, "Well, yeah." Like that was such an expensive game. <laughs> I'm like, 
Uh, I go. I love how they just when, judge yeah. you. Since like they're just small judgy people. Yeah. Oh yeah, no, they are. I'm like, since when do you know what money is? Like they don't even. <laughs> yeah. They buy things. They act like they have money. <laughs> like they'll tell you, how much money do you have? And then they'll be like, we have three hundred dollars, but I have to split it with my brother. I'm like, where the fuck is this three hundred dollars you have? Mm-hmm. They have no money. Get out of here. <laughs> Yeah, they have. Uh, I the other day I asked to see. I was like, "You bought a lot of Pokemon cards recently. How much money do you have left?" And she looks. This is like, "I got lots of money. I got lots of money." I was like, well, "You know what? I want you to go count." So she goes counts. She comes back. She goes, "I have thirty eight dollars. Like like a badass. You know, just like thirty eight dollars." I was like, "Cecilia, you have like no money. You should stop buying things." And she goes, <laughs> "Eh, <laughs> like like yeah. you're just like eh." I was like, "Okay, yeah. it'll run out, I guess." Uh, if you guys remember, uh, remind me after the show is over, I'll tell you a story that will... That is related to money, that will probably upset you. Uh-oh. So, uh, Aaron, should I should I still get Diablo? Should I still... Should I partake? Yes. With a, with a rating with a rating of 7, I, I wonder... 7, seven and a half on a 40-point sliding scale. 40-point... No, it's, ne- a, it's twenty it's point. A You're right. Twenty point. Yeah. Okay. okay. I was if it's a four point Whatever. sliding scale, that's a terrible score. <laughs> okay. I get negative it. thirty to a positive ten. Okay. <laughs> so much hate. Uh, just out of curiosity, uh, this is important to me. What what uh, class is everybody playing first? Sorcerer. Barbarian. necromancer covered in blood oh my gosh that's so awesome because i'm 100 in parker's for druid. playing a druid i'm 100 for druid i'm super I fucking it. yeah he's super I, only parker would play the dumbest class he's uh, playing a squirtle i was so excited when uh, was it lord of fear god of fear what was the, it was the diablo 2 expansion came out when it introduced druids oh my god i, I played that so much I played Druid so much. That was back way back when, before I even knew how to play video games. I still just wanted to play a Druid. So, speaking of Druids, I saw Den of Thieves finally. Okay, no response at all. I, I don't where's know what this, that means. Where's this going? The yeah. D&D movie. Oh, Den of Thieves. Oh, I was, yeah. I'm sorry. I, I did not good. know. I, I don't think of it. <laughs> you guys are the worst. I don't. I if you told me this, I, I don't. I didn't memorize the subtitle to the D and D movie. Got it. <laughs> okay. Yeah, I don't work at a game shop, and people don't come in and talk to me about this, the the movies all the time. Uh, nobody talks about the movie. I'm just. Saying. Oh, really? I because I have yeah, heard nothing just, but fantastic things about it. I forget that everyone on this fucking podcast has soup brains and can't remember anything for more than an hour. I uh. I'm I'm not gonna lie. I saw I started seeing trailers for that like probably four years ago, <laughs> or something like. I feel yeah. like I feel it, like I've been seeing things bit, about yeah. that for a long time. And so I, when it came out, I was like, oh, it's finally out. And I I just assumed it had been out for years because of how long I had been knowing mm-hmm. about that movie. But I, I I have nothing but hope for it, and I've heard that the hope is not unfounded. That it actually is pretty. No, it, it was very good. It was a very good doing of a D and D movie. It was true to source material vaguely. Like, it was close enough that it's not going to offend anybody. Um, it felt like a really interesting world to live in. It felt a lot like a D&D campaign. Mm-hmm. Um, 
It was fairly fast-paced. They did do a bit of just name-dropping bullshit every five seconds. It was, they said, like, oh, this and this, and they just keep naming off D&D words. But they didn't ever, like, use it in a bad way, so it was fine. They weren't like, well, you know, the, you know, Green dragons are, you know, vulnerable to acid. And you're like, well, that's not a real thing. Like, why are you making that up? So, like, it was, it was not particularly annoying or anything. The characters were interesting, and uh, the story was fun. Uh, there was one part that I actually started laughing out loud at. I did not expect it to happen. But I assume you guys had already seen it, so I, I have seen it. Yes, it's very good. Yeah, it was good. So the part I laughed at was um, when the when he's singing his song towards the end. I can't remember it though. Like, what okay. was that part? I haven't seen. Well, right, what so was happening? This isn't. So it's a bit of a spoiler because it's a com- comedic moment. But they're they're trying to sneak past some guards, so the sorcerer casts an illusion spell. Oh, okay, <laughs> they both took off their headsets. No, no, no. Hold on. Uh, and so they're um, they he casts the illusion spell and of him singing the song and then he gets like distracted and so the illusion starts breaking down and he starts like like repeating the song very quickly like oh, over and yes, over again yes, and yes, he starts yes. like distorting in space and he gets like a bubble head and it's like oh yeah what the fuck I did not expect that at all it was pretty funny if I remember right the gelatinous cube stuff was pretty funny too yeah yeah the D and D monsters were all fun. Um, I believe that there was some backlash because the druid in the mo- which is this is part of the trailer. This isn't spoilers. Uh-huh. Uh, the the druid's able to turn to an owlbear, and they're like, "Well, technically, you can't do that unless you're like part of this prestigious." <laughs> like, it's like, yeah, okay, buddy. No, yeah. but it was fun. It's definitely a fun family movie if you have like a nerdy family. My boys liked it. Yeah, yeah. But uh, they they actually like bring in like uh, well, I guess that's kind of a spoiler, so I guess I won't say that. I like the bad guys in the movie. Uh, if we if we have one more moment to talk about something that's a little bit older, because I asked last week if we could start talking about it, but I know there's all this awesome new content. We Guardians three. Guardians three. Uh, can we talk about Guardians three now? Is it is it is yeah. it time? It's good. We're good. Okay. I sucked. I have decided that. Um, I don't know if I mentioned to this you guys in person or not, because I couldn't hold it in. But just so you're aware, Aaron has taken his headset off. I want to make sure you were aware of that. Okay. Um this is this is no spoiler actually. Um but I feel like I have finally been able to put like to me to my mind what the MCU or why the MCU has been strong or weak, because I think a lot of people want to just throw these wild accusations around and like big climate, you know, uh, uh, big, big swinging generalizations about how, you know, MCU is awesome. And then now it sucks and it can only suck. And the internet loves to dogpile on stuff like that, right? Dogpile on popularity or uh, unpopularity. And, uh, I've always waited to see something to decide if art is good or bad, and, and as far as I can tell, and try to defend it or deny it as best I could. But um, there are some parts of the MCU, big chunks of the MCU now, that I really don't care to partake in anymore. Like I'm not going and clamoring to see it like I did in the you know with the original what 12 or 18 movies, whatever it was. Um, and I'm ready to be disappointed 
consistently now, which is a totally different stance than I used to have. However, this movie codified something really important for me, which is that as it turns out, if you have, you know, something we already knew, big surprise, if you have a really good creative team with a really powerful vision and, uh, and a couple uh, so however many really strong personalities making sure that vision comes to fruition and it's not you know is not destroyed by committee it's not destroyed by production it's not destroyed by corporate interest it's just this is something that we wanted to make because it's going to be good let's tell a really good story in the way that's true to the to the theme and the canon that we've already established you can make an amazing movie um, and that's what I think this is. And it makes me feel so good because I go, okay, so now just like my favorite comic books, sometimes I'm going to read something by Jonathan Hickman and I can trust I'm going to like it and I will. And so I can watch something by James Gunn and it doesn't matter that it's in a era in which Marvel consistently disappoints me. I'm going to like it. I'm going to like it a lot. Um, Aaron, he said no spoilers when he started. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I specifically, yeah, I, Not I, worth it, the was, risk. it was, it was a good, it was a good tactic in case I did, but I really was just in general glowing statements about how such a, such a strong, strong finish to a movie that needed to, I needed to love because I love the first two so much um, and not, did not disappoint me. Not in the least. Hey Aaron, can I tell you a spoiler? No, it's a very, very minor spoiler. It's really just a trivia fact about the movie that references zero words in the movie. Well, it references a word, but it's not it's not parroting the word. I'm just going to tell you. It's totally worth it. Uh, this is the first movie in the MCU where they use the F-bomb. It's once. Yeah, they do. And it's it's... Like Salt Bay, perfect. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Jeremy's trying to remember when it was. No, I'm just I I disagree, but go ahead. I love that scene. That scene was hilarious. But anyway, uh, I agree. The movie was good. I think that a lot of people um, don't understand. Like, I don't know how this culturally has been lost. Like, if we live in the information age and the the communication age where, like, you can communicate with literally anyone about anything and also find the information you need at any moment. And for some reason, during that transition from gen- one generation to the next, people have lost the ability to critically look at something and see if it's worth their time. I don't understand how that happened. It's like, should be the opposite. You should never walk into a movie and not know if you're going to like it or not. And so like when, when we're talking about like the new MCU movies and people are like, Oh man, I'm really worried. I'm going to be let down by this movie. It's like, I have not felt that way about any of the movies. Every time I go to a movie, I get almost exactly what I want out of it. And I don't watch the trailers. Like you can just look at a couple little, like a couple reviews or just like look at the people in charge of the movie yeah. and go, I'm probably not going to like this. That's what it is. Just look at a couple people in charge. Yeah. Of the movies. Look at the director. Yeah. Look at a, Look at like who's in in charge of the script, and yeah. you can also um, just look at the source material. Like just because it's an MCU movie doesn't mean that you need to see it. Mm-hmm. And everyone's just gotten into this habit of like, well, you just go see it. It's a blockbuster. You have to go see it. I'm like, what? No, you don't. Like nobody needed to go see Eternals, 
And like the only people sh- that go that enjoyed Eternals are people that like the Eternal story, mm-hmm. and those people liked the movie mm-hmm. because it was about the Eternals. But like all these generic people went and saw it, and then they go online like, "Oh, this this was terrible." It's like, why? It's like, well, this. It's like, well, that's the story. And then and, like, then, and then they say things like, "The MCU is just going to shit," and you're like, exactly. What? I'm like, okay, I didn't watch the Miss Marvel TV show. Guess why? Because I hate the character. Yeah. If I watched the TV show, I'd be pissed off the whole time. Am I going to go watch Marvels? No, because I hate two of the characters in it. Yeah. Like, it's just boring. Like, why would I go see it? But am I going to go see Thor Love and Thunder? Yes. Did I enjoy the movie? Yes. It was a good movie. I got exactly what I wanted from Thor Love and Thunder. I don't understand how it's that hard. Like, you shouldn't go see every product a company puts out if you're not interested in the thing that it is. And in fact, it would actually give them better information as to where to focus their resources. Because if they make a movie like Eternals and only Eternals fans go to see it, they'll know. They're like, okay, well, these are the people like Eternals. Like, we know where we stand in this genre. Why would we make an Eternals 2? Because nobody wants to see it. As opposed to that everyone going to see it, them dropping another one, and you just complaining the whole time, and then you went and see to see two movies you never wanted to see. I'm like, that doesn't even make sense. If my phone isn't delivering that information straight to the heart of these companies already, I'm just, <laughs> yeah. I'm, dis- I'm, I'm honestly disappointed in them. And I, I also love the, the the age of piracy where everyone's being spied on all the time. They're I know they care what the fuck you say <laughs> when you're at home in your bathroom. Like what the fuck? I and I think it's I don't think it's about you, it could be about the IP for some people. If it is for you, I, I get it. But for me, it's about the creators. Like it's it's about the people who are making the thing. It's you can take something terrible and make it so much fun to watch or find so much value as art. You know, the terrible IP rather is what I mean. Um, and you can also take an amazing IP that's super rich and, you know, make something that is just really hard to enjoy. Crystal um, Skull. Word. Absolutely. Yeah. Like, great. Great example. So, um, th- so if something like Guardians, if you were like, I really like a James Gunn film, you know, like I really like that tone. I really like that style. I really like the first two Guardians movie, and I want to see all of this all of these character builds for two movies pay off, which is something I didn't actually anticipate. I thought it was going to be a little bit more tongue in cheek and less serious, but it was actually so it was, it was just the right amount of serious to actually give me closure on a bunch of characters that I had come to love. What a great version of a story, right? For to, to watch over three movies. Um, that's why guardians was so good. And that's why I'm, I'm, ex- I'm still excited to go see parts of the MCU that I know have been invested in like that by good creators and that's not to say i won't go see anything that i don't recognize that's another bit right you're like well this person isn't already already made an amazing movie so i won't go watch it you should you know you'd always go give a credit right, you a should chance. use and like you should lose your use your judgment like yeah. just because like we've never seen a captain america movie but right. if you look up the first avenger and you go okay i understand i know the director yeah I know the character, the writer. Even if I'm not massive fans of either, like I want to see this story. Go watch it, and yeah. they're like, "Okay, it turns out I don't like this." Yeah, like. But yeah, if you went into the first Avenger, which was Captain America's origin story, and didn't like it, you went to the movie for the wrong reasons, and that's on you. Yeah. Every when my brother and I we talk about films a lot, and when we talk about it, it's always. Film titled by X, right? And we always we always credit the writer, a director, or both 
when we're talking about movies because that, in, in our opinion at least, has just as much to say as anything else. If you watch a Russo Brothers, you know, uh, a Marvel movie versus, uh, I'm not, I don't even like, I, I can't even tell you who 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 directed. Uh, um, Oh, I knew this. I knew this. You, you get Eternals. Who directed Eternals? Mm. It makes me. It makes me mad that I can't think of who directed Eternals. Um, it was. Oh yeah, uh, Chloe Zhao. Like if, uh, Chloe Zhao ver- ver- movie versus a Russo Brothers movie. I can tell you which one I'm going to like more. That's not to say Chloe Zhao can't make a good movie, but I haven't liked one yet. So I probably shouldn't anticipate that I'll like. If Chloe Zhao makes the, the the Gwynpool movie, even though I love Gwynpool and I think it can make a great movie, I'll probably be disappointed by that attempt unless she does something radically different from her previous attempts, which maybe she can, you know, creators can, can change tactics or, or surround themselves with, with better writers or whatever it takes. But, but yeah, oh my goodness that I want you to, Guardians of the galaxy is, I think the, 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 the right way that I want movies to fulfill uh, my needs, which is to deliver something based upon the the vision of the creators. Um, superb version of that. I have, I have something to say. Uh, I'm blown away by this. I had assumed the Russo brothers had made way more movies than they had. Mm-mm. According to Wikipedia, which could be flawed, they've only made ten movies as directors. Yeah. They're not so prolific. Nuts, yeah. And three of them are Marvel movies. Yes. Hmm. I really want to see the Gray Man. I haven't seen it yet. I mean, I enjoy it. It's one of theirs, newer ones. They're maybe their latest one. No. Oh, um, Electric Electric State. They've done. Yeah, Electric State's the newest. I, uh, yeah. Uh, then before that is Cherry. And then Avengers, and then oh, Winter Soldier. I didn't know they did Winter Soldier. Sorry, four of them are, are Marvel. Yeah, movies. they did. That, that's why I. That's why I picked them out. In my opinion, I think Winter Soldier is one of the best Marvel movies as as a movie by yeah. itself. Winter Soldier, Civil War, Infinity War, Endgame. Basically, anything with Bucky in it, they did. Yeah, <laughs> which yeah. is really weird. Yeah, uh, but not but not the not the series. I don't think it even guest directed the series. Uh, they did do uh, one of them. Did Agent Carter? I really liked Agent Carter. That's right. They did. I forgot about that. Or he did. Hmm. That's the only director thing where only Joe did it. Hmm. hmm. And any writer or director will tell you that it's even if their names on the credits like they had huge teams around them and they had huge they had it was a huge you know collaborative effort i'm not saying it's one person or two people you know just putting it on their shoulders but it does take it does take a leadership role like a leadership person willing to bring it all together because some leaders are great at making a vision come true uh, or holding a vision to be true and some leaders really struggle with that and it kind of gets lost in committee um and so I, I think there's I think there's something to that as well. But that's but you can't discount the fact that these people are not individuals doing all of it by themselves. But because that's not that's not true. Anyway, we we pre rambled a bunch. Can we can we ramble about this game now? Are we ready to ramble about uh, 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 MCP? Why would we ramble about? It? We're gonna we're gonna podcast it. 
Uh, is that what a podcast is? Just an efficient recorded ramble? There's I don't know about script. efficient. <laughs> but I mean, it's... I think Aaron's very efficient. You guys, you guys speak for yourselves. Aaron is. Uh, you guys? I don't know. I think we all might be called efficient compared to some of some I, of you. I am least efficient. That is true. <laughs> I am the, the, Char- the Charles Dickens. I think uh, I'm the glad fact- you said it, because if I said it, it was going to feel really mean. Yeah, I'm not going to lie. I think <laughs> the fact that I'm identifying it as rambling and, and everyone else being efficient is probably more about me than you guys, actually. <laughs> I'll, t- I'll own that. Uh, <sighs> I, I do not know if this is podcast-worthy. Um, but I did have uh, I had an important question about my list that I brought to the tournament. I thought that I thought we could put that on the podcast. I thought you guys could help me answer it. I'd rather kill. Um, my, I'd rather kill myself. I have a question for you, Parker. Mm-hmm. Can you tell me what today's topic is? Like the what? I read it in Discord. Did we? Ch- did it change? Am I? Is this a trick question? I don't think it was in Discord. We talked about a tournament. We talked about, you know, a short recap of the tournament. We talked about it last time. We decided we, we actually said it a week in advance this time. Oh, shit. No, I missed it. I, I, I'm sorry. What is it? God damn it. It's not on the, it's not on the list. It's not in our. It's not. We just verbally communicated it. <laughs> Which I can see now was a mistake. <laughs> yeah, I guess we should have wrote it down for me. I mean, it's it's going to be a fairly quick topic, I think, but we'll see. It was uh, Tournament Tiebreakers. Oh, that's right. <clears throat> and why we All shouldn't right. have them. And we should just have ties. That's just right. Just have ties. That's right, because you said... Uh, Tournament. Well, if you can just have ties, you end it after round one. <laughs> and tied for first, these eight people. <laughs> <laughs> Oops. I'm sorry. Uh, I'm sorry you... Uh... I'm, I just appreciate you putting a lot of thought into the topic. Yeah. That's why I, I that, to you a week in advance. I, I actually put a lot of thought into... You guys We're going to circle back to that efficiency comment. <laughs> yeah. I put a lot of th- I actually put a lot of thought in how I was going to frame my question to you guys about my list because I feel like my list That's is missing fine. pieces. But since we are so efficient, we can do both. Thank you guys for being so efficient. I'll ramble. You guys mm-hmm. be efficient, and we'll come up with a really good podcast out of this. Yep. Uh, I have one more thing to say before we move on. I think this is a funny little anecdote. Uh, it's not super relevant to anything we're about to do, though. Uh, so I play in a Rogue Trader game, which is a fantasy role playing game set in the 40k universe. Uh, one of my characters in the game is an orc freebooter named Gaskabasha, and he is known for two things. He either fixes machines or he unfixes people. Those are the two things he does very efficiently. Um, so for some reason, because I don't know if anyone else has ever played a role-playing game, generally someone at the table kind of like becomes the, the, the effective leader of the group in some situations because they take, you know, initiative to do things and like they, they basically just kind of lead the group around it's more d- to do with like you as a gamer as opposed to you as the character mm-hmm. and so in a lot of my role-playing games because i try and drive the story forward 
a lot of people will look to me as like the leader, even though like my characters shouldn't be the leaders. But when that happens and as like a punishment for them not being proactive, I will actually roleplay my character to the like the ninth letter of what they would actually do in some situations, which effectively punishes them for putting me in charge. <laughs> uh, so we're in a, a a negotiation with two criminals organizations, like large scale mafioso like level people that that spread across multiple sectors in the imperial space, which is massive organizations, like hundreds of thousands of members each, and and there's an orc. That it's like a mercenary, and they've somehow in in all of the people I'm in charge of this negotiation. <laughs> they're just like, why did you do this to me? Like, why did you give me this power? And so all my guy does now is he makes analogies that lead back to boxes in some way. <laughs> so, so I'm like, well, see, boxes have many sides. <laughs> Basically, just try and make everything an analogy about boxes because <laughs> he he likes boxes. And uh, it's great watching them just be tortured about like every time they like they think I'm about to say something really important. It's like, well, you see, Gaska Gaska put everything in a box. <laughs> They're just like, oh god damn it! And so I like doing that. That's fun. It's similar, right. similar to how my, how my character always introduces himself with his full introduction, regardless of where he is. Yeah, exactly. Is. Yeah. <laughs> uh, the first time I ever realized I did I wanted to do this to people was I played a half ogre barbarian in D anD. d who had an intelligence of six. And so they were like, oh, well, Brandon, like, Brandon will just talk to this guy for us. And so I go in there and I just start arguing with him for no apparent reason because my guy's aggressive and stupid. <laughs> so basically just start a fight out of nothing. And they're like, he was supposed to pay us for services. Brandon was like, yeah, but he got all uppity and I had to kill him. But it's like, it's like, why did we do this? It's always great. Yeah. All right. You guys ready to get started? So ready. Oh, yeah. In Diablo 4. All right. One, two, three, four, five. One, two. <laughs> Jesus. Wow, you somebody went early. Like two Some, full seconds. Somebody went really, really tired. That was a fucking tired. One. <laughs> Give me another chance. Give me another chance. Bye. <laughs> Uh, damn it. Hell. I'm leaving that in. That was so bad. <laughs> I, oh, shit. <laughs> All right. Go again. Go again.